You are listening to the Super Freak Media Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please be sure to show your support and follow us on our other social media platforms. Check out the links listed in the description of this episode to find out more. Thank you. I wonder if this film actually ruined that, those kids for life. Like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, I, I, was, I was filming a film and I was very excited for it, and then some crazy old man told me about Santa being evil. <laughs> The Their Queer Podcast. Hello. I'm Liam J. Hello, hi. <laughs> and with me, as always, is Liam B. Good evening. Hey. And <laughs> in this very festive special episode, uh, we will be discussing all things Silent Night, Deadly Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Less of a focus on the, the later entries into the franchise, which... We've tried, full disclaimer, we've tried our hardest to keep up with, but they are, um, they're not the most watchable of films. It's, it's a different kind of horror series, isn't it? I think. It is. The horror is thinking, right, that's an hour and a half of my life. <laughs> I've just wasted. I don't have that many hours of my life left. Death to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you're already on the way out, Liam. Is that what you're I saying? Am. Bless you. It's, it's time for me to put out to pasture, I think. Well, talking about uh, being on death's door, I do apologise to our listeners for probably how I sound in this part of the podcast, uh, because I am very much down with man flu at the moment. <laughs> it's not COVID, but, you know, I live for the drama, so I wake up every morning and just go, why? <laughs> <laughs> cool <Same>. world. <laughs> I don't even have the flu. Insane. I wake up every morning and think, why? Well, I'm still here. What are you waiting for, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. But hey, it's Christmas. Hey, sis, it's Christmas. <laughs> oh, wow. I think we've missed the mark here. We should have, the real horror thing of Christmas we sh- should have thought about is the RuPaul Hollisley Spectacular. Have you seen any of it yet? I mean, the newer... Uh, isn't there a new one coming on VH1? I'm not sure I'm talking about that dreadful one a couple <laughs> of years back. The one where everyone won. The one where everyone won. And we had that weird... <laughs> that weird, like, RuPaul, Stunt Michelle double. lip thing. <laughs> that really reminded me of the Elvira movie where she's, like, doing Maniac. And it's just that obvious, like, stunt performer in it. Uh, but, yeah, that episode... It, I mean, it had its moments, but it was literally just... Um, a feature-length infomercial for RuPaul's Christmas album. Hey, sis, it's Christmas. Oh, a hundred percent. But it was it's, so bad. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was an experience. Um, for those of you listening, you do have a little bit of a special treat today. Uh, not only do you have to listen to our dulcet tones, uh, <laughs> but we do have a interview within the podcast. I was going to say a podcast within a podcast then, but that's... Podception. No. Podception. <laughs> but we do have an interview uh, coming up later for those of you who are big fans of Black Christmas, either three of the films, although if you are a fan of the of the third instalment, <laughs> maybe go and have a long lie down and rethink your life choices. I swear every every episode you offer people different nuggets of, of life advice. I think last <laughs> episode it was just go and have a bath. <laughs> this one it's just go and lay down yeah go and have a bath go and have a lie down i sound like a qualified cams worker yep 
self care with Liam. That's 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 that segment of the podcast out of the way. But yes, we do indeed have a nice interview with the two authors of a new book that's coming out and chronicling. Chronicling is that the word? Chronicling. Sure, that's a word. That, 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 if not, we've made one. Yeah, basically going through everything behind the scenes on the three entries into the Black Christmas franchise. So keep listening for that. It's been a month since we we last got together and did this. Have you been Have you been up to much? I've been, as usual, busy with work. I have a huge project that I'm undertaking at the moment for October of next year, which is a huge LGBT plus youth prom. Yes, queen! So that's taken up a lot of my time. On top of that, I'm trying to organise a big fundraiser for work. And But on when I haven't been working, uh, I've been, again, trying to keep up with my reading. I'm one book away from my Goodreads reading goal of this year, so I'll maybe start something tonight. But... No, I haven't really done much other than that. I still haven't put my Christmas tree up. And it, we're recording on the 14th of December, and to me, that's two weeks overdue. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I will, I'm will. i going to 100% confess, today, on my lunch break, I put my lights up outside, and yesterday, uh, pretty much in my breaks and around work, I put the decks up. Um, and usually, I'm way ahead of that. I, I don't know what's happened this year. I mean, I'm going to attribute it to me being ill. But yeah. um, at the same time, I, d- I don't know. This year has just gone so fast. Like even the fact that I, I was uh, speaking to my mum earlier and I was like, so Christmas is literally like a week away this Saturday. <laughs> that that just felt crazy to me. So, um, yeah. but yeah, the, the queer prom sounds very exciting though. It is very really exciting. exciting. When, it got, when it got greenlit, I was absolutely over the moon hmm. and it's going to be a huge, huge prom um, for any queer folk, well, queer youths of yeah. Derbyshire to come along to, it'll be free for them, but I'm doing a lot of fundraising at the moment. And yeah, yeah it's a little bit stressful, but I know that the payoff's going to be completely worth it. Awesome. Well, I'm uh, very excited to see how that pans out for you. I know last episode I spoke about uh, Canada's Drag Race being um, something that I've been watching quite a lot recently and really mm. getting into. They've just um, had an episode that I've just watched, which featured a, a queer prom. And I think oh. it is such an important experience, isn't it, for it for is, kids? Yeah. Um, and potentially, obviously, the sort of stuff that you're organising could really, really change things for some people. So that's really awesome, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very excited myself. I'm getting a lot of... I'm currently making a big fundraising and sponsorship pack because I'm going to host an evening and trying to get... I want as much of it as free as possible, so I'm going to be inviting businesses along to, to let them know why they should be sponsoring the event. We do have one huge name who have offered us... Um, some money and a potential venue Amazing. Uh, and they are quite a big name in derby so um yeah keep your eyes peeled <laughs> yeah no keep keep looking out for it like you're doing good work dude it's uh it's great well done so have you um have you watched apart from the silent night deadly night series have you watched anything this month i have uh, indeed. I mean, one of them I think I'll maybe talk about in the uh, recommendations section uh, of the podcast. I will say that the new naughty cut of Krampus has been released, Ooh. which I was I was super excited about because, I mean, Krampus is like a go-to um, 
like Christmas film for me now, pretty much since yeah, it same. came out. So I was really excited to see that Scream Factory were releasing like an extended cut. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think the special features are, are more of like what's attractive about it as opposed to the cut of the film, because yeah. a lot of it is more just deleted scenes added back in there's some like extra lines like the auntie for example she pretty much nearly word for word says what we said at the start of the podcast as to being like why am i still alive which is funny (laughs) and i mean she's just an icon anyway in that film um but i think yeah the majority of it is deleted scenes added back in there's an extra few bits of like not gore but um you know when they have like the stuff going on in the attic when it kicks off yeah. with the creatures? There's a little bit more kind of added there, which is great. But so, yeah, I mean, either way, I think if you watch the original cut or the new naughty cut, you're in for a treat if you check that out um, at, uh, at Christmas. Other than that, um, the last month or so, I actually got to go to some gigs again, which was, oh. which was great. I travelled to um, Birmingham. And had a gay old time for a couple of days. Got to go and see Jessie Ware, which was amazing. She was like gay the icon. artist I listened to through lockdown. Her and Jula Peep were, were like on, on repeat. And, uh, Jodie Harsh was supporting as well, which was, which was great. So that was, that was that awesome. Was it was such an awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome evening. Um, but yeah, it was it was just nice to get back to normality. I don't know whether that normality is what's now given me the flu, but <laughs> I think <laughs> well, it the, was um, it was worth the risk. <laughs> the week before you were in Birmingham to see Jesse Ware, I was also having a gay old time in Birmingham, so I went to see Charity Shop Sue. Excuse me, lady. She was everything I wanted her to be and more. I love her so so much. I mean, me just too. The amount of times I. I quote her and every uh-huh. time I go past that charity shop as well in Borwell, like I will point out to, to our <laughs> listeners, I'm from Nottingham. So as soon as I first, I think it was my mum who actually showed her to me and she was like, have you seen this, this woman, what she's doing in Borwell? And I was like, <laughs> oh gosh, that's, that's not too far from us. Uh, so every time I go, I just, I hope that she's going to be filming a skit somewhere, but she never oh. is. When I was talking to her, I was like, oh, I've come to represent East Midlands. Uh, as well today I was like I've come from Derby and she was like I'm from Derby originally <laughs> I was like oh incredible so we had we had such a laugh she is one of the funniest people in the world I really hope that um, she gets picked up for like a proper TV series or if they just make yeah. series two I'm just I want more Vera as much as I love <laughs> Sue Vera's my favourite I love Vera so much I love I love. I'd love to do a whole <laughs> Sorry, everyone. My cat's just fallen off the bed. Come on. <laughs> Get yourself up. Come on. You, you do realise I'm going to have chair. to insert the X-Files sound again this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my little wobbly girl. Lie down. Oh. No. Oh, she's fallen off again. <laughs> Come on. I heard it that time. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Oh. God loves a trident. There you go. Excuse me, later. Right. That brief interlude. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's let's get in and let's talk about Silent Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. God, I can't even say. I'd said Silla Night. That's why. Silla Night. Oh, that's taken over. Different type of experience. Oh, is. imagine. No, already imagine this film with Silla Black in it. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Not my cat, the actual syllabi. Yeah. Oh, that would be incredible. Funny tidbit of of information. Again, talking about something maybe I've watched in the last month. I checked out um, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. And 
that does indeed feature Scylla Black. Obviously not the Scylla Black, but she's kind of canon to the story. She's playing in one of the clubs in the 60s. So that, oh, was, okay. that was interesting. I haven't watched it yet, um, purely because I've seen that it's divided people. People mm. are either saying it's the greatest movie or one of the greatest movies they've seen. Yeah. Or people are having the the opposite reaction to it. So I'm putting it off for now. I'm trying to I'm trying to watch a load of Christmassy festive stuff at the moment. <laughs> but yes, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Back to the um, film at hand. <laughs> it is, yeah. And um, I will say it's one of those films that I came to later on in life. It wasn't something that I was even on my radar when I was mm-hmm. when I was younger. I'd never even heard of it. I must have been. I think it was when I first was friends with Charlie Clark. Yeah. Um, I believe it was the the first Scarefest that she was in, and I believe that was in 2012. We were talking yeah. about like ha- our love of horror. And yeah. she was like, oh, I've got this thing stuck in my head. She kept saying, Garbage day! And I was like, what? <laughs> why are you saying that? And she was Garbage like, oh, um, watch this clip on YouTube. And she showed me the clip from the second film. And I was like, okay, that, that looks camp as f- <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, obviously, we spoke about this last month before doing this episode. We were like, oh, well, what should we talk about for the festive episode? I mean, I don't think Silent Night, Deadly Night is inherently queer or gay or anything at all. It's mm. just campers balls. Like, it it's is. so camp. So I think, similarly to like Hocus Pocus, I think it fits in that realm of just appealing to a queer audience quite easily yeah. with just how crazy it is. <laughs> well, I, I have a I have a few like maybe deeper connections as to why it may resonate with like a queer audience. I'll um, okay. go into that a bit more later. But yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night um, was released by TriStar Pictures on November 9th, 1984. <laughs> Amazing. 1984 um, was a good year. Like, it was a music, year, yeah. films, everything. We will be talking about the franchise, including the remake. Uh, there will mm-hmm. be a a huge focus on the on the first film because if we were the quality just goes right downhill well what quality there is in the first film <laughs> I was going to say just goes downhill <laughs> but um, I was having a look it, it was only made for 750,000 wow which you kind of see but I will say some of the effects in it are yeah are good for such a low budget and it pulled in 2.5 mil so it, it, it was a success like wasn't it absolutely yeah it a must controversial I, it, success. It, yeah, but I think it was it was one of those films where a lot of cult classic films are always steeped in controversy, mm-hmm. and this was one of them. Obviously, yeah. you had all the panic of people being like, "How dare they portray Santa Claus as a killer and all this?" And it was like, well, technically, it doesn't. So you're just giving us free publicity there. I think. Yeah. I think the conservatism of America really helped with the um, with the success of this film. I think that's it. I always find that quite funny because it's it's similar to like when you see about um, The Exorcist, for example. Mm-hmm. It's particularly, I think, the the religious kind of groups that get up against a film like this yeah. um, without actually maybe seeing it or actually understand what it's trying to do. I mean, I will say one of the main things that I took, obviously, from this film... Um, was the fact that I do think it was very anti-religious um, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Um, so, I mean, I can kind of see why that would well, spur a few people uh, Yeah, that's why, um, that's why I think it resonates so, so much, much with queer yeah. people. You've got that, like, Catholic guilt in there with, like, with all the nuns and... Yeah, so I feel like 
you know that whole the whole religion trying to suppress somebody and yeah. that person feeling like they need to break free of all that love. And I think that's what really resonates with it. it it's something that I read into yeah. uh, watching it this time around a lot more because obviously every time I've watched it before, it's just been for fun. But yeah. this time I had to really analyse it. Uh, one thing I did analyse as well was how f***ing fit Billy is. Oh, my <laughs> God. Damn, boy, he's fit! He's so hot. <laughs> I think um, it, it certainly makes you question a lot when you've got, you, you like, the killer of the film portrayed in such a way that you are kind of like... Oh, yeah. And the point in which so many other characters also take a beat just to look at how nice looking he is oh yeah <laughs> and, i mean i had to talking of taking a beat that film where you get to see his lovely furry peach dead ass oh wow it's fantastic it's not like it's like a good 1984 arse it's not like a good two, like compared to like a 2021 arse it's not that not yeah. that great but it's a good one for the 80s yeah um it's fantastic and he's so pretty i I really fancy him. But there is quite a lot of content warning for anybody who's not seen this. There is quite a lot of sexual assault in this. And well, just, yeah. I mean, given you know. an overview of the, the film, um, and obviously, spoiler alert as well, as, as a bit oh, of a yeah. trigger warning, um, if you've not seen the film, essentially, it, it, it's, it's a holiday slasher. And the, the film opens up with Billy and his brother and his parents going to ultimately see their great his great crazy like grandfather in this care home <laughs> at christmas and i mean i will say that scene alone was <laughs> i think if i saw that film as a kid that would have freaked me the hell out yeah i'd have been terrified of santa <laughs> so much so much <laughs> so grandpa mom what do you want her for she can't help you nobody can you're scared, ain't you? You should be. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. And I think I'd be interested as well to see how they filmed that because surely they didn't actually have the kids there like saying these things yeah. to them. I wonder if this film actually ruined that those kids for life. Like, well, yeah, like, oh, I, I was I was filming a film and I was very excited for it, and then some crazy old man told me about Santa being evil. <laughs> <laughs> so um, immediately this young young kid Billy is freaked out by his grandfather talking about Santa basically being Satan and um, gets back in the car quite freaked out his mum and dad reassure him they're driving home um, and we, we kind of cut to another scene of this guy dressed up as a Santa robbing like a corner store, uh, mm. shooting this guy for like $30. And then it obviously transpires that this guy's car's then broken down. So this is where the two stories kind of converge. And this guy dressed as Santa, I mean, it's Christmas Eve. It's very unfortunate. They stopped to kind of <laughs> help him. And, um, yeah, he basically kills the dad. Billy runs for his life and hides in the bushes and then watches his mum get sexually assaulted and then get her throat slit um mm -hmm. so i mean that alone i think is enough to f anyone up for life yeah but i think that's only then really where billy's hell starts because as as we were talking about he's then we pick his story up again when he's then in an orphanage that's run by the harshest mother superior <laughs> i mean i think she gives jessica lang's gives uh sister jude a yeah, run for sister jude money. and mother superior from sister act yeah, 
played by Maggie Smith. I think, like are, there any, are there any nice Mother Superiors? In there? No, because <laughs> even the stuff? one in The Sound of Music, and the, <laughs> right, to be gay for a minute. <laughs> Just for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sound of Music. Um, during um, the open, not the opening song, but the song where all the nuns are singing to Maria, it sounds like she calls her a face. Maria, our Abbey is not to be used as an escape. What is it you can't face? What's your profanity? <laughs> no, because even the in that awful nun movie, the Mother Superior or whatever it's called, the Abbess. Yeah, um, and that is evil. Try and think of a nice. I nun mean, now, I suppose the Mother Superior from... in Asylum, American Horror Story Asylum, does let Lana get out, but after yeah a few m- months of <laughs> electroshock therapy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe maybe that's where she gets the saving grace. Well, but if anyway. there are any religious people listening, or any nuns, I'm so I'm sure not all mother superiors are, are evil. I'd <laughs> love to see how many nuns. I'd love to see the demographic of how many nuns do listen to this. <laughs> oh yeah, I think uh, probably our primary. I think we should audience. start catering towards the nuns. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Make a habit of it. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, no. that was a Christmas cracker joke right for you there. Um, but anyway, going back to Billy's unfortunate story, <laughs> we we pick up again around Christmas time. He's a few years older, and um, the the children are tasked with drawing their perfect Christmas. And his perfect Christmas seems to show people cut up in pieces. And I'm sure there's a dead reindeer on there. There's there's oh. obviously a lot to unpack. And as opposed it's to just going. It's not to like stay on like <laughs> I know there's a theme in every episode that's why you just don't f- with you just, as soon as I see that I'd be like right get it this is what I mean I, I don't understand how the people around this kid are just like he's fine <laughs> let's move <laughs> yeah. on when, when normal there's normal behaviour <laughs> Yeah, there's, there only seems to be like one nun who actually recognises that maybe there's some deep psychological trauma there. It's a movie about trauma. Um, but no, Mother Superior decides to just ultimately, after he's then seen some other kids fooling around. I mean, there's a lot of sex in this film. I would yeah. say it verges And also, on... no one in this film wears a bra. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the 80s. I mean, just <laughs> nipples yeah. everywhere. But then it results in this kid being tied to the bed. And I'm like... <laughs> Are you literally trying to screw this kid up even more than he already is? And then, yeah, we we obviously then met with modern day Billy, who's now 18 years old, the perfect age. Basically, he ends up taking a job at a toy store around Christmas. And I I will say, I think that for me was probably like the gayest moment of the film. Gay rights! In terms of when the, the manager's like, oh no, we can't take anyone on. And then she's like, oh, but just take a look at him. And then he takes oh, yeah, a look at him. When Mr. Sims looks him up and down and he's like, oh. Am I gay? Oh, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, <laughs> a big, big strong man like you can get in the warehouse. <laughs> it's, it's like, okay. I, uh, I thought, yeah, there was definitely something a bit sus going on there. But with it being Christmas, <laughs> he, he's great with the, the kids until he's not great with the kids and realises <laughs> that Santa is a figure of authority on who's been good and bad. He has to end up then dressing up as Santa to, to basically talk to the kids. And that's where shit hits the fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's a bit crazy. It's a bit random. I think it's not necessarily super strong on the story front. No, no. Um, it's but it's quite... a film you put on to have a laugh with, I think. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of an odd one. But, oh, my God, the one... 
the one thing that makes me laugh about this film so much is Billy's incessant punish. Merry Christmas. There you are, you bad kid. Punish. He just says naughty and punish. I don't. I, they're the only two words I need him to say to me. To be fair. <laughs> I mean, they must have known what they were doing. Like, yeah, <laughs> there was. There's a lot of subtext in this, and I think in some ways they almost then overcompensate the other way because I think this was a thing from the clips of other films in the franchise I've seen, and also obviously from the remake, which we'll get into or mm. reimagining. There are a whole lot of breasts in these films <laughs> to the point where I don't know. I feel like there should be stats somewhere that someone knows how many times a woman unbuttons a blouse or gets it oh. ripped open or, or I don't know, something happens to her nipples. It's, it's, it's very, very weird. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's, it's very odd. <laughs> yeah. It's, but while we're on the subject, this does have some, has a fantastic kill in this film that features a pair of coconuts. <laughs> and that's when, that's when that woman gets well, stabbed with the antlers. It's, uh, it's actually Linnea Quigley who is in loads of other films. So Night of the Demons mm. with the lipstick. Coconuts. So she's yeah. got a bit of a running theme going on. Um, <laughs> and is it Return of the Living Dead as well? She kind of plays like the punk zombie. Yeah. Kind of a creature in that. Um, so yeah, I mean, she. I, I think this was before she was maybe an established scream queen. But hell yeah, that's that's got to be one of the. I mean, I don't think that's my favourite kill of the film, but it's definitely one that stands out. And I think no, it's, is the one yeah, on the the posters and people. I think, think it's about. The, the the kill that people think about when they think of this film. And in the remake, they do recreate the kill. Yes. Uh, quite quite well actually but i really yeah. like the effects that they use in this as well it did still holds up to this day i think yeah absolutely i mean i think that's one of the things that the film has going for it is the practical effects um mm-hmm. are great uh like i like we said story maybe isn't performances definitely not Although, I will say, obviously we did talk about um, the Mother Superior. I I do think she kind of plays the film like she's going for an Oscar. She was in a different film, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, (laughs) granted, her films could have been filmed separately. Yeah. Um, Her scenes, sorry, could have been filmed separately, but... I don't know. It's I do find it very funny, particularly in like low budget horror films, when you do get like a true thespian on board, <laughs> and then everyone else is just not there. That they're, they're like adult film stars or something. <laughs> it's it just makes me uh, makes me laugh. But yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. I, I think similarly to you, I came to this film only like really a few years back. I think I it was when I was in in college. Um, I think it was Arrow did like a release of it and I can remember oh, yeah. it came with like a poster and I mean even the poster has Santa holding a sack with a topless woman <laughs> hanging out of it with bows on her nipples I mean it's so gratuitous I can see why it was as controversial as it was at the time yeah and I think in a in a large part that's where the success did come from because mm-hmm. it, it could have very easily I think there's a lot of forgettable holiday slashes out of out there when they kind of went crazy and I think Silent Night Deadly Night because of the notoriety around it is is why it's become kind of a staple for a lot of horror fans yeah um, in terms of like Christmas horror as well like mm. I like a Christmas slasher film I really like the idea of that so I really do like this and Black Christmas as two iconic billies being like the yeah 
I mean, it's not even subtle in that, is it? The way no. that it's just like, oh, Black Christmas. Yeah, he's also called <laughs> Billy. <laughs> I just love a like a holiday themed horror film. There's just something about them I really, really enjoy. So that's yep. why I do love Krampus so much. On top of it just being a really fun, campy mm-hmm. like horror film. I just there's something about it being set around like different holidays and stuff like that that there's there's something about it that's always like even if it's a really terrible film, there's always that like sinister yeah. undernote of it. Uh, especially when you've got your killer walking around dressed as old Saint Nick himself. Yep. Absolutely. Um, punishing topless, topless women. <laughs> well, I suppose, um, well, slightly two things on a, on a bit of a tangent. Have you, have you ever checked out a film called Holidays, which is like an anthology film? I haven't, but it is on, what was it? It was on something and I had it on my list and then it went. I think it so. was on Netflix for a good while. I don't yeah. know if it's still on, on Netflix now, but I definitely advise seeking it out because that tackles things um, like uh, obviously St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, those sorts of mm. things, which um, I think I'm the same as you. I, I do like being able to sit down at a certain part of the year and have yeah. a few horror films to watch around that time um, because you can just re-watch them can't you and it yeah. becomes kind of part of the tradition of it which is which is nice and I mean yeah however schlocky and stupid and exploitative this film is which it is all of those things it is very it's a very very fun experience and I don't think it would be out of place with in like a double feature with like Black Christmas or even maybe the Black Christmas yeah. remake they're very that I think they're on the the same sort of level in terms of intelligence, <laughs> um, but it's it's fun and I I enjoy that um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I did struggle to either find or kind of commit to watching the other films in the series. Yeah. And I believe there's five. There's films. five and a remake. And a remake. So, I mean, the remake I saw at the time, and I'm happy. To, uh, I think we can talk about that in a bit of detail as well. But mm. you've seen. Have you seen all five then of these? Yeah, I have. I have seen all five, and once I watched all five of them, I went and then watched the kill counts of them on Dead Meat because I, I was very confused. It's <laughs> 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 very confused. So the second one is where we get the iconic garbage day line. Garbage day that did its rounds on the internet for quite quite some time. Yeah, um, but the the biggest issue with the second film is it's i think it's the first 45 minutes of the film it may even be a bit shorter than that but it's still a good chunk of the film it's just a recap of the first film okay they spend it, it's not like in some films if you get a recap of like the film that came before it it's it's very brief no this decided was like no we're going to take up half the running time as in like you see actual footage then from the it's, original it's, film yeah it's it's all the footage from the original film oh. the only difference is it's got the now grown up ricky sometimes narrating it oh right so the baby from the first one is now grown yeah. up and that's the link with the yeah because the at the end film. of the first one he, he does that really horrible evil look and he's like naughty well yeah i mean i suppose we, we are skipping a little bit ahead aren't we the, the film then does close with billy's demise um as he mm. comes back to the children's home to exact revenge on the mother superior and is ultimately gunned down but again this then instills trauma on a whole room of kids this time <laughs> so he's essentially just created about 30 new billies oh. and we pan up to to one child which i did not know was supposed to be ricky well no because they used there was three different actors who played Ricky 
there was like wow. the baby, the one-year-old, and then when it had the like jump forward, yeah, there was like four-year-old Ricky, and then yeah. at the end we get fourteen-year-old Ricky, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, I can't say that's so, why. Get, that's why again, I had to watch the kill counts for this because James. Wow. Dev Meat does a fantastic job of making sense of nonsensical <laughs> things. I mean, this is this is always what gets me about you know these really silly franchises when mm-hmm. their like whole mythology and their canon story is that complicated. Yeah. When on the face of it, it's just an excuse it's, for it's, a guy yeah. in a Santa outfit to hack up some kids. <laughs> it's, it does not need to be that complicated. But okay, um, so the second film is essentially a bit of a, play, a replay of... It's a replay, and it's it's the same basic premise as well. Ricky okay. then goes off on a tangent because he's so messed up and starts killing people. But it's kind of like, the way that it's interwoven is it's like he's being interviewed by like some kind of like police person or, or some kind of psychologist... I love the poster for Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 because it looks awful. It's like a Christmas <laughs> You have a real bauble. thing for posters, don't you? I do. It does, it's a Christmas bauble with a load of fire in the background. I'm literally pulling it up so I can have a look. Somebody holding a gun and it just looks... <laughs> it looks It looks so, like Die Hard. It, it does look like Die Hard. It's so bad. The biggest letdown I had with the second film is... Was the I, fact that you didn't get the poster come to life. I didn't get the poster come to life, but I did in a way. is Because Ricky uses a gun for most of his kills. And I don't... I find... Don't get me wrong. I find guns terrifying. Yeah. One of my biggest fears in the world are, are real guns. Yeah. I think they're scary. But I not in a slasher though. In a horror film I don't want them to be using a gun because I find it really disappointing and it's just Well that's it. I, I think that was I still like a, a thing. Yeah. That was still a thing that the first film really had going for it was the creativity with the kills. I Absolutely. mean you, we've obviously spoken about the deer antlers going through uh, Denise I believe her name is in in the film. I mean my favorite kill from the first one is the the sled when the guys are sledding and then he jumps out with an axe and you're like you're literally going at like a mile an hour yet your head still flies off (laughs) good i just love that shot and i think think because i've watched the unrated cut yeah and the unrated cut just makes it that little bit more cheesy by having the sled carrying on without yeah yeah i was gonna say you can tell because they've not fully restored those bits have they it goes back to weird vhs quality (laughs) and on those bits um but yeah and then the fact that he's just buried in the snow (laughs) instead of getting a fake head i love that um i'm all about that but yeah it's disappointing then to find that the second one is a bit gun crazy um it is i mean it's not it's not all guns i mean ricky gets to like decapitate mother superior which is just it, great. Is it actually the, the the same woman? I don't know if it's the same woman. I'd have to think. But he does no, get it, his it's revenge. Right. So, yeah, no, no, no. It's another one of those things where in the archive footage, it is the, obviously the same <laughs> one. You're kidding but, me. But in the <laughs> it's someone else. <laughs> So so there's a lot of leaps and bounds that we have to take as an audience to fully understand who is who in this in this yeah. franchise. So uh, basically at the end it's the same premise that Ricky goes to the orphanage he goes to kill he actually kills Mother Superior but then he gets gunned down by police and it's like uh, 
I might it. as well have watched the first film because uh, yeah. half of this film is the first film and then the plot is basically recycled. But then in the third film, we've got Ricky again who wakes up from a coma <laughs> and it's kind of then goes into Friday the 13th territory where they in- just introduce a psychic character <laughs> into it who who has to battle the, who has to battle the, the villain. So Ricky... <laughs> Uh, his name changes in this to Ricky Caldwell. They change his surname for some reason. I don't know why. Why not? Why but, not? Um, but then our protagonist is a a blind teenager with psychic powers <laughs> who goes up against Ricky, the the Christmas killer. It's this is where it started to lose me even more, and I was like, this is yeah. It, it's where it started to just get. Just a little bit stupid. It literally um, sounds like a parody of a horror franchise. You know, like in Scream 4, when she's like, oh, it's terrible, uh, part five has time travel and, and yeah. all of this. It like, literally sounds like this is where we're about to go. <laughs> but one of my favourite bits of this film, of this third film, it, this is how bad it is. It breaks the fourth wall. Oh, okay. Does it mean to break the fourth wall? (laughs) It does mean to break the fourth wall. It does it intentionally. Sometimes I don't mind. Like, there are certain films where it makes sense. Like, Freddy Krueger breaking the fourth wall. Freddy! (laughs) Don't. She's back. She's back. Well, more on her after this point, actually. Um, But, yeah, there's um, at the end... Uh, of this, of the third film. I, I'm not g- even going to give a premise to it because all you need to know is psychic blind girl versus Santa killer. That's all you need to know, really. I but mean, at the end of yeah. the film, the psychic girl wishes a police officer Merry Christmas and then she has a, like, that's so raven vision of Ricky <laughs> breaks the fourth wall to the camera and says, and a happy new year. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's dreadful. I was just like, oh. And then in my head, I was like, I've got to watch two more of these. And, and a remake, which I don't mind. But so did, did you did you go through all of these in prep for this episode, or had you watched yeah. them anyway? Oh, God, so you've done your so, homework. I feel so yeah, bad I now. Would, I would... I'd have watched... I will... Now and then I will watch the first one because sometimes it's just fun to put on. And the second one, if I need something on in the background while I'm wrapping presents. <laughs> maybe. Those those presents are getting wrapped really badly. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, oh, there's so many of these. For, I, I, it's not a franchise that I would sit down and watch. I just think it's very odd. I mean, I think we, we kind of mentioned it when you went through the stats of how much it cost to make and how much mm-hmm. it made, but it has no right in being a franchise at all, does it really? No. At, like, I mean, there's there's nothing that needs to be told. I mean, that first story doesn't need to be told. No. <laughs> yeah, here we are, five stories later and, and, a, and a remake. Um, well, the, the best thing about the third film... I'll give it is Bill aside Mo- from the Raven Vision at the end. Yeah, apart from the that's a Raven Vision, it's <laughs> Bill Mosley's in it. And oh, okay. That's if a you're a horror voice. fan, you know that Bill Mos- Mosley's going to put his absolute all into yep. into a film, and he is incredible um, in that. But then in the fourth film, 
we get another horror staple, like an icon, we get Clint Howard. No offence, but Clint Howard really gives me the creeps. Oh, he's so creepy. So, so creepy. Best, it's Ron Howard's brother, way. isn't it? Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I'm sure when I see any kind of, you know, if there's any articles or write-ups on the, mm-hmm. the Silent Night, Deadly Night series, they always yeah. seem to use a picture of Clint Howard just looking absolutely deranged, which... Yeah, I mean, I, I, he kind of reminds me a little bit, um, not in like a, I don't know, a shallow sort of way. I'm not, I'm, he's, he might be absolutely lovely, but he reminds me a lot of like how Gary Busey is. Yeah. He, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of, he looks a bit wacky, so he naturally lends himself to those sorts of he's roles. The, so yeah, we get into the fourth film that yeah. starts to veer into the occult. So is there any continuation from the second no. or third? So are we in completely uh, so in new, the, new territory? Uh, oh, so the first, the first three have like a, a throughput and they yeah. all are continuations. But then we get into the fourth one where there's no. The, I, it's, there's it's, so it is number four, am I right in thinking, is that initiation? Yes. Yeah, okay. So Silent Night, Deadly that, Night initiation, that's part four. Yeah, of. and this is the one that made me feel sick. Okay. Not only is there a lot of body horror in it and, <laughs> and bugs. Body horror and bugs combined. I just, I just don't know. There's not my cup of tea at all. Um, but then it, yeah, it veers into the occult, and it. The only way that it lives up to the Silent Night, Deadly Night name, I suppose, is just the fact that it happens to be set around Christmas. <laughs> That's Makes about sense. it, really. I couldn't really give you a, that much of a synopsis of it because I think I've tried to block it out of my brain. But it involves people being going into cocoons and <laughs> and being bound together and being turned into insects and it involves a meat shop <laughs> it sounds very grim yeah um, it's not my it's not my well, thing i did all. notice it was directed by brian yosner who uh, we know has obviously done the likes of society which i think is yeah is a creepy film in uh-huh. its own right with body horror so yeah yeah i think it's it's interesting to see that he lent that aspect to to, to this series i mean yeah. you know hearing you obviously explain it and go through it it it's kind of funny to hear that they you know the approach that they tried to take i suppose with the halloween series where they did season of the witch it seems yeah. that they maybe did something a bit similar with with this they kind of realized this billy ricky story was not the whole thing that we needed no. so they decided but to maybe unfortunately um i feel like it had the opposite effect of halloween 3 yeah mm. it, it, it just wasn't great so then if we go into the another fifth one <laughs> i was kind of back in this is the kind of toy is it the toy maker the toy maker yeah and it's purely because i feel like they were like right what else have we done? Right, let's just go into stupid territory. It's more Christmassy film with this because this film is horror Pinocchio. The fact <laughs> okay. is, the fact is, there's the characters are named after Pinocchio characters. Right, we so it's not Joe, subtle. We have Joe Petto. Okay. <laughs> who's played by Mickey Rooney, who is the toy maker. Amazing. And, and then we have Pino Eto, like Pino as in Pinocchio. <laughs> Pino. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, again, again does, does this not bear any resemblance or, or, or kind of any continuation, sorry, on the last film? Or does no. It? No, okay. No, but 
funnily enough, um, Clint Howard rep- comes back to it <laughs> as a different character. Oh, okay. So we've gone full anthology then now with this. It's, I suppose. It's a bit weird. Was he a new character in my head? No, I think he's the same character actually. Oh, okay. But I don't think it's presented that way to begin with. It's, oh God, this is how confusing it is. I'd love to be able to give everybody a detailed synopsis of <laughs> of this, but honestly, it is really confusing. I will say Mickey Rooney in it is, yeah. is pretty great. Okay. And um, he does dress in a Santa suit and, and mess people up. So that's where I was like, oh, okay, it's gone kind of back to its roots. It sounds, overall, it just sounds like a lot well, of a, a bit of a really, mess. What's really <laughs> funny is Mickey Rooney, when the first film came out, was actually quite vocal about how much he hated that the film was tarnishing Santa's reputation yeah. and everything. He was quite vocal about it. But, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take, I'll take on this role uh, in the fifth installment of your franchise, and I'll be the person dressed in a Santa costume. That's that's incredibly meta, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I suppose it kind of maybe speaks... Because I think Silent Night, Deadly Night, even though we obviously weren't around when it kind of first came out, we, mm-hmm. I think even still, like, reading uh, about it or seeing, like, documentaries on horror, it's definitely one of those films that had, like, a cultural impact. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people had a lot to say about it. I mean, personally, do you find a problem with with the fact that the killer is dressed in a Santa's outfit? Or Not do you think all, no. that it's it's okay? No, and I, think, I feel like if I, if I ever, this is obviously we're speaking in complete hypotheticals, if I ever had a child... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which you won't because we've established you hate children. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if in some parallel universe I would, I, I, I wouldn't have issues with one of my child's icons. Well, not even icons, you know what I mean? Like... Santa's been done mm. to death now. There's so many iterations of him, and it, it wouldn't take anything away. Like if my, I the, think the, the thing the, is, the, is the, the rule that I have is if if my kid was to Google Santa, yeah, and the first image that came up was Santa covered in blood holding somebody's head, yeah. then I'd take issue with it. Yeah, absolutely. It Whereas the one thing I do take issue with is the oversexualization of um, children's. TV characters. If mm-hmm. you were to Google Velma from Scooby Doo right now, I'd say about the fifth or the fourth image in would yeah. be sexy Velma being tied up with a mouthful of Fred's or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. You've done your research there, I can tell. Yeah. Scooby Doo episode coming next month. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, it, so the fifth film, sorry yeah. to bring it back, does kind of like hit on the mark. There's a, there's if there's any concurrent themes going through every single one of these it is christmas and sexual assault near enough yeah. every all of them have sexual assault happening. yeah i think everyone t- to be fair i as a filmmaker or a film fan that sort of coming at it from that perspective i always have a massive problem with things like sexual assault or torture mm-hmm. or things like that being used in a way that i don't think really betters the story or even helps tell a story no. i mean <laughs> th- there are some parts of it that i understand obviously billy had to witness something quite horrific to then mm-hmm. turn into this this killer and it had but to I obviously murders i think murderers yeah there was no need for this woman's blouse to be ripped open and no. her breasts to be on screen for like 
literally what feels like minutes and i mean i i think that's why i have problems with some films like hostel for example i really don't enjoy because it feels like mm. it, it it isn't telling a story other than it's more kind of about the spectacle of watching someone get disposed of in like a really yeah. horrible way which i get some people enjoy and i'm not i'm not saying that you shouldn't but yeah i mean the the whole kind of debate about whether or not this character of, of Santa Claus should be shown to be this horror villain, I think is absolutely ludicrous because it goes <laughs> back to similar to what we were touching on in the last episode with Child's Play is I, I think ultimately it's the responsibility of the adults. Absolutely. Kids, kids won't know this exists unless adults show it to them or it's advertised. And I think there was, there was some debate about that. I think some of the adverts on TV were what kicked up the fuss because mm it was shown at a time when kids would see it and naturally they would associate Santa with good, positive things, presents, all of that sort of jazz. And then to see him with an axe and then Silent Night, Deadly Night splattered on the screen. I understand that would Mm -hmm. upset kids. So that's where I think there's a bit of a grey area. But I don't know. It's it's a bit of fun. I like like Grindhouse films and I very much think this is kind of a, a Grindhouse franchise almost it's very silly um and there are elements of it that you can enjoy do i agree with the fact that we need to see women in peril in these sorts of situations no because i mean you don't see men in them um really and i I think that just speaks of the time and the generational problem um but i suppose that that maybe it brings us on to a nice segue with the the remake, the 2012. It's just Silent Night, isn't it? This this one, yeah. Um, directed by Stephen C. Miller uh, and starring Malcolm McDowell and oh. Jamie King. And so Malcolm McDowell, I love Malcolm McDowell so much that he's he's in so many horror franchises. You don't realise it. Oh, I know. He's uh, yeah, he's very sneaky, isn't he? Um, even with some of the, I, I guess, cheaper. <laughs> uh, mm. films shall we say because I think this is very much it it, it, it retained that all authenticity of being made on the cheap I think this one yeah um, I really really like this film it yep. came out so when I watched it I didn't realise it to me it it came out too late for me this is this should have been released in the mid 2000s when there was that resurgence yeah. of like create like remaking old horror movies like this should have been released around the time that you know we had the friday the 13th remake when we had rob zombies halloween i feel like if it yeah maybe would have been like 2007 09 that sort of area yeah if it had been released then i reckon it would have been more successful yeah definitely Um, but i it's not to say i i enjoy this this one quite a lot Mm -hmm. i don't think it's like a masterpiece and i think that they really lord of the rings the end of it when it's got like 10 different 10 points at this you think oh it's over oh no it's not yeah. oh it's over no no it's yeah, not. yeah yeah and it tries to be in the end it does try to be far too clever for its own good yeah. this thinks it's like some kind of like agatha christie <laughs> thing done it sort towards of towards the end yeah yeah but it's um i feel like it pays homage to to the original film in mm-hmm. a nice way like obviously we get the we get to see the antler kill again. We get to see the Christmas light kill again. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like they they did too much different with with those bits, but mm-hmm. they were nice homages. I like. I don't mind the um, the story. I feel like the Santa yeah. mask is absolutely terrifying in this. Yeah. 
and we also obviously we get to see it kind of we uh, similar it reminded me a lot of like the opening of uh, like nightmare on elm street you know where we see freddy kind of um crafting yeah. his um his glove knife glove I, I kind of liked that yeah we kind of got to see a bit more into the killer but without doing a halloween remake and giving mm-hmm. us like a full i don't know explanation as to obviously why all of this is this is happening i think i definitely agree i i don't think it's it's a bad film um and i can remember at the time um i saw the trailer kind of come out and i knew i kind of wanted to see it and i think funnily enough i don't think it was made available here in the uk mm-hmm. until like the summer of the following year so i can remember i was waiting for ages um because i'm a big fan of malcolm mcdowell and a big fan of jamie king as well mm-hmm. Um i think she's stunning so i was just yeah. like okay great um i don't know i think i i did enjoy it a lot um i think a highlight for me is um just the um well yes i think that's an absolutely amazing amazing death but i absolutely love um the kid who gets it as well you know the really bitchy kid who's Uh um um saying to her mum like take me to the mall i need this 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 and this (laughs) and then santa just basically tasers her until her heart blows up i I mean always love that that isn't too scared to kill a child off absolutely i love absolutely so much (laughs) (laughs) um and i mean i i kind of i went into it with quite high expectations the first time i i watched it because i'd seen some of uh stephen c miller's other work there is uh, another film he released called under the bed which Mm -hmm. is kind of a similar sort of story to you know how um uh, the bogeyman is like where or darkness falls where it takes this figure of fear from kids uh, childhoods and, and makes it actually a reality and it, it's i thought that was really well done i think this this film definitely does have its moments it's very creative in the way it kills people um mm-hmm. i do like yeah obviously the christmas lights and the electrocution the wood chipper is great it's oh, it's really good so um good. and it's i don't know it knows what it's it's trying to 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 do i think yeah, you're I feel right like this out of all the films this one knows what film it was going to be yeah, it knew that it was going to be tongue in cheek. Yeah, going to be comical. You're going to be, you're going to be rooting for the killer more than you are anyone else in this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whereas I feel like you you weren't in the end of any of the other films. They always think that's a good mark of a good of a good horror film or yeah. a good franchises. You you do root for the killer. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can't beat that image of Santa Claus looking the way he does with a friggin' flamethrower. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. I also <laughs> love the fact... Campus tits, I love it. <laughs> it's, it's just my it's They could have just made it really subtle, but I found out the reason why they had that is it's based on, it's based on a true story. You're kidding me. What? So, um, reading on it, it's on a real-life event known as the Covina Massacre. Uh, on oh, Christmas God. Eve in 2008, a 45-year-old man named Bruce Jeffrey Pardo killed nine people by gunshot wounds or in arson fire at a holiday party, and he wore a Santa suit during the massacre. That is insane. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I do think Christmas is a time of year when people do go a little crazy anyway. So, yeah. I, in many ways, I think, aside from Halloween, I blame, it's perfect. I blame Black Friday. I think Black Friday starts off the, Chris, the 
the people losing their minds over Christmas. That needs to be the next horror film. Like, I don't know. Can you imagine the setup? There's a, there's a store about to open and someone's put like cheese wire (laughs) over all the doors and people just run. It's like the opening of ghost shit. Yeah. (laughs) It's just bits of people everywhere. I would love that. Imagine like all these people are run into a store nobody steal this idea on copywriting it uh <laughs> run into a store and it's kind of like the collector yes like, yeah yeah, yeah. Or the, is it the second one the collection when he's, yeah. in, a, when he's in a nightclub that yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing oh god yeah so good that film we we should talk about that film at some point because that is ace um that's it, really it really good made me cry really uh, i think it's the first one is it when is it the cat or the dog it's a cat or a dog gets like onto that glue trap i had to mute oh. it Oh, I no. I can watch people get mutilated in the most horrible way. Yeah, you, you, you mess with a cat or a dog, it's it's something else, isn't it? an animal, and I don't, I don't, I don't f*** with it at all. <laughs> but I um, feel like this one, I feel like this film was kind of, it's kind of the one for the gays to me. Because I feel like, do you will be like, well, it's got some incredible, ditzy, beautiful women in it who I feel like as as gay men we are kind of like drawn to so I'm talking about like all the um, well one of the women who gets the one who gets put the, the, the mayor's daughter yeah she's kind <laughs> yeah. of like the ringleader isn't she yeah I do like as well the uh, I mean I suppose it does comment on religion again so that that's a bit of a theme because you've got the weird kind of pastor haven't you who's mm-hmm. taking pictures of the women and then oh, talking about yeah. weird stuff in his sermon he gets it but yeah I I did love that whole bit with um with the the ditzy blonde and then obviously the homage to that the antler kill and yeah. i love the fact it all went slow-mo as well it was just so camp wasn't <laughs> it i i love that you know when you see it in films when they've clearly like redubbed in a scream because they've filmed someone screaming <laughs> slow-mo <laughs> yeah. and it's just there's just something very funny about it to me but yeah no i i completely agree i don't think it's it's a bad film it's it's probably not one i revisit as I'd probably say not as often as the original because I think because the original was back in the 80s, it has a bit more of that nostalgia for me. In terms of, I feel like in terms of a a franchise, I don't personally don't think it holds up as a franchise because uh, to me, a franchise is something that I can be like, like one thing that me and my boyfriend do is if we can't pick, think of a film, he tells me to think of a number between like one and something. Yeah. And he'll put a horror film on that'll be like, like if I say six, you'll put part six of like Friday the Thirteenth or Hellraiser. That's such a cool that. idea. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just when we're stuck for films, we'll yeah. do that. Uh, and I feel like with this, I wouldn't want to because <laughs> if I said four and I had to sit through that all that horrible. Do you know? Bug I think stuff. I think the bug one is the one I'm going to watch just because oh, I feel like don't eat it, anything. If it you're might watch eat that. me out a bit, but yeah. Don't, um, if you're going to watch it, and this is to you and to anyone at home who, who wants to go and watch Silent Night, Deadly Night for the initiation, um, don't eat anything. It's really, it's really gross, and it's like it's that eighties sort of gross as well. Like if you think yeah. of like The Fly, yeah, Cronenberg esque. Like, oh god, it's not. That's not my cup of tea. <laughs> it's really not. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you in terms of gore and. Uh, that sort of thing, spectacle, that sort of stuff doesn't appeal to me as much as I don't know, straight up slasher film or something a bit supernatural something a bit yeah. kind of weird uh, and I suppose in some ways that would be a perfect link in then to um, our special guests who we had mm. um, on, on the podcast so we recorded this interview a few days earlier um, but 
we're super excited to be joined on the podcast then by the co-authors of It's Me, Billy, um, a book about Black Christmas. Um, we're going to talk to us a little bit about the book, their favourite Christmas films, and um, yeah, essentially why you guys should check it out when it's available in January. Okay, so now we come to a different sort of segment of the Their Queer podcast. Uh, me and the other Liam are joined by none other than Mr. Dave Hastings and Mr. Paul Downey. Um, they are authors of an upcoming book called It's Me, Billy, Black Christmas Revisited. So we thought, seeing as this is a festive episode, it would be pretty special if we... Uh, Got to talk to you guys a little bit about the book, the project, how we know you guys, first off as well. And um, yeah, take it from there. So I guess I tenuously, obviously, I know both you, Paul and Dave through Super Freak Media stuff filming. And I think, Liam, you've been on set maybe one or two times, maybe when Dave's been there. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. been very like in passing. Um, yeah. Ships passing in the night. <laughs> yeah. I just remember. I remember us all lugging stuff up to that forest one night. It was very cold. Uh, yeah. That's a super freak media yeah. shoot, or yeah. or it could be something very different. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, something for the viewers to decide. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, it's been really cool. I think we've all kind of been interwoven and involved with each other's work for qu- quite a few years now. I'd say, which is which is lovely. Um, and I know that this. This project in particular has been one that you've been working on for quite some time. So who who kind of started it off? Like who who approached who? Um I think I'm pointing at Paul. Yeah, you're pointing down on my screen. Oh, oh, oh shit. Okay then. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was uh, it was me. Um I kind of it, it was a really weird one because it it was at a point when I kind of also, also discovered IMD imdb pro as well and there's like you can get the contact details for like filmmakers and stuff because i thought oh this would this would be great for the website uh, the bloody flex website that i run and um and um i was thinking it was around the time of year of black christmas about november probably uh 2019 it's either 2019 or 2018 i'd, I'd have to look at the probably the, t- the timeline it probably was about 20 it was 2018 and um i managed to get a couple of interviews quite easier than I thought in terms of people like Lynn Griffin and um, and approaching some people from the remake, the 2006 remake, because um, obviously 20, 2019 wasn't, wasn't out at the time. Yeah. And uh, it started to gain traction really quickly, and I managed to get, get some conversations with um, with our tender, who unfortunately uh, decided against being involved in the project, but having contacted him, it was, you know, it was good to have a conversation and, you know, tell him what I was thinking of doing. Mm. And, uh, and it kind of kept growing from there. And I was like, at first it was just interviews. It was just like, I, I've got all these interviews and I don't really know what to do with them. Yeah. And then um, I got to a point, it's like, this could be a book. And then initially what it was going to be, it was going to just be about the 1974 film. And then what I found is in initially, through the conversations, I was getting a lot more interviews from 2006 and then in turn got some decent ones for 2019 as well, I thought. And um, I was like, this could be a lot more than, you know, yeah. initially what I thought it was going to be. And um, and me and Dave were, 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 always, were always talking anyway because, you know, we'd uh, collaborated on the, the 40 Years of Halloween documentary uh, earlier that year, you know, yeah. basically um, for the best part. 
turn that turn that around in in ways you know I'm I'm not I'm not a filmmaker out now or anything like that. So he knew all that kind of stuff. So he helped to bring all that together. I was just kind of like an ideas <laughs> man, essentially. You did a great um, job, Dave. Don't shake your head. <laughs> and, um, I didn't. I didn't have a clue. <laughs> it worked. It worked out all right. And, yeah. Um, and from and from there, like Dave just said to me one day, he says, "Would you mind if I if I got in on this?" And I was like, mm. "Yeah, yeah, you know, because you know, Dave." Uh, we both had I, I, I had an understanding for obviously from, from our friendship that Dave had a, a really deep love for the 74 film Not may, maybe a bit lesser for the other films but, but yeah. the 74 film is like a holy grail like you know yeah. as, as much as it was for me and we, we kind of we came at it from very, a very mutual angle so we, I, I just said yeah yeah go for it and then uh, we just kind of we kind of put it together piece by piece until we had like almost a structure because the the thing was i mean we didn't pitch it um until yeah, i think it was the end of 2020 which we had because, because uh, yeah the pandemic years you know we yeah were, yeah but that was kind of a good thing for not pandemic wasn't a good thing obviously but for, for us it was kind of like because everybody was doing video chats and everything paul had kind of got a lot of people like Nick Mancuso and stuff and, and Albert, not Bert Duncan stuff and everything to, to talk to us on video over Skype. So we had a lot of interviews going on that way while everything was in lockdown. And and it was fascinating. Like, you know, these these are the guys who, you know, especially Bert. Bert is basically Billy throughout the entire yeah. that film, in a sense. So it was just kind of weird talking to Billy and seeing the physical manifestation of Billy <laughs> right in front of you. Yeah, that must, be, that must be weird, especially if he uh, yeah. did the voice at any point. He, I think I'd He did out. the voice, didn't he, Paul? He, he did, and it was really creepy. I always remember it, because I've, I've got Skype call. I think I've got it recorded somewhere, because we were using it for yeah. dictation. And within about the first five minutes of it, without without being prompted or anything, he just goes like, it's me, Billy. And it's just like, ooh, this is a bit creepy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm out. The project's done. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Hearing that in April as well is such a weird thing to hear in April as well. You just <laughs> say it's Christmas. <laughs> he, he was very into it, uh, Nick, Nick was, because we, we were on to him for about two hours. Because he went on it off on these weird and wonderful tangents about his career as well at some point. So it was quite yeah. it's quite fun to listen to him. And same, same with Bert as well. Bert's knowledge was incredible yeah. in terms of the things he told us and the things he showed us as well. Cause he's, he's, he's still got the original schedules. The schedules. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And, and, and <laughs> obviously I was planning to try and get them on auction or something. Um <laughs> But I, I I did get in touch with him afterwards, and I, I, he hasn't been in, in touch back. I think he's just busy and stuff. But I, I, if we do a second edition, I'd like to try and scan those and put them in. Yeah. Because they are they are the original production schedules. They've got all the notes on it and stuff. I mean, he literally, he was in his office, and he's got a filing cabinet behind him. He literally pulled out a stack of stuff for Black Christmas that nobody's ever seen. Oh, my Lord. Like, just, just literally, like, notes, probably storyboards, all kinds of technical oh. stuff that nobody's seen. I'd have just and got chills saying that. I'd, yeah. yeah. I, I desperately just trying to, I, I might email him again again soon, actually, but I just, I'd, I'd really like to try and get that into like a second edition or something. It's a wealth of knowledge that nobody's ever seen about this film. You know, even, you know, it sounds really kind of weird. It's like, you know, the dates, the times and stuff like, like to an, an average person, it's like, what, what? But to us as filmmakers, it's like, oh my God, this was the day they started this. This was the day yeah. they filmed this. This was the day that Billy's eye through the door was filmed and stuff. <laughs> and who was it? And, you know, so for that, you know, I mean, I'm going to try and try it again. 
and maybe we can get it into a second edition and stuff. Well, so, I've got everything crossed for you, as I'm sure yes. a lot of the people <laughs> I've will. got a lot of things crossed as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just I've... want to see that stuff. That's just... <laughs> yeah, even if you just got to see it and didn't couldn't do anything with it, just to be able to... Yeah to look at something like that it'd be like seeing like the Turin Shroud or something yeah, yeah yeah a lot better as well a lot better quality <laughs> <laughs> amazing well on the subject of uh, of, of uh, holiness obviously you um, you uh, awful segue Paul you mentioned obviously that Dave when he muscled himself into this project at least that's what it sounded like yeah um, it was obviously kind of a holy grail film for you so so Dave what is it about Black Christmas that you love so much I, I've, I've always said it's 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 just behind Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Carpenter's Halloween is my favourite horror film, obviously. But, but <laughs> Black Christmas is just literally about a millimetre behind it. Yeah. And I think the reason why is because it's just, there's so much stuff that even today you watch it and just go, I have no idea who Billy is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just have no idea who he is. And it's, and it's, I think there's so many different plots going on that if you watched it as a as a modern film, a lot of these plots would get lost and stuff. But I just think Bob Clark was a genius at this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's so much like, in a sense, there's political stuff going on in that film. With you know, just talking about having an abortion and stuff. That that yeah. stuff was way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. You know, and and there's just so many layers going on in that film. Like you know, there's the, the, the they're in the park looking for this little girl who you never see, but yeah. you feel that murder yeah you, you feel that whatever happened to that murder billy's probably got something to do with it and you know for a fact you never see the body but you know for a fact it was something bad happened yeah and you never see it so it's just a testament to bob clark's kind of direction and, and you know and and stuff and, and being able to turn something like that into something that i know watch every single christmas eve without without <laughs> fail yeah and i do I exactly the same it. thing christmas I, I have eve to. for me is Muppets Christmas Carol, then I have some food, and then it's Black Christmas. So, so now, for me, it's Black Christmas, and then I have, I finish off the bottles of Baileys I've got, and then I watch A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott and stuff. But that's just because I like George C. Scott, because he shouts Lion Exorcist 3, but that's... (laughs) Very festive. Do Do you have any weird festive traditions, Paul? Anything on Christmas Eve? Well, it's weird. The, the past few years, I don't know, I can't remember if it happened last year or not, but going to this really weird habit um, of getting drunk in and around Christmas, maybe not Christmas Eve. That's not weird. Watching, That's just, just Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and, and watching That's just the, peer pressure. The, the really bad Star Wars holiday specials. Oh, oh incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's not what you told me. You told me you sit up outside by your window looking for Santa Claus every Christmas Eve with a bottle of beer. <laughs> That's what you've said to me. Don't deny it. Must be where, where I live. There's people probably going around jingling, but they ain't something. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I I sometimes sit by my window and wait for a bearded man to come along with a big full sack. So oh, I'm no. there with you. Oh, I, I just knew I could home. rely on you to just yeah. just yeah. take it there. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, but, oh. but I've run out. I've run out now uh, because I've seen both of the Ewok films for my sins, which are an experience. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, I think one of them's about two no, it's the holiday special that's two hours long and it's yeah, it's got some very questionable things going on in it. I just think it's great that Priya offers in it from Golden Girls. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only bit I get interested in. I'm like, oh please please do some kind of Dorothy sarcastic look at whatever the happy script's doing. 
uh, and stuff, but she doesn't do it, so I just go and watch Golden Girls instead. <laughs> yeah, oh. that, that's, that's probably as weird as it is, as weird as it gets for, for Christmas, really. But it, they, they were they were enhanced um, for for that, you know, because uh, I, I tried doing the prequels, and the only one I could abide by was uh, the Revenge of the Sith, but I. I managed to get really drunk one Christmas day and watch it, and it was just like, this is actually all right. And, it's like, and then you kind of wake up the next day, and like, oh, God, you know, no Star <laughs> So the key to enjoying Star Wars is just to get blind drunk. I think that's what we've what we've learned. But I think, I think, um, and I know we're supposed to be talking about Black Christmas, I think John Williams, <laughs> like, when he was like, right, I'm going to do the music for the prequels, I'm really going to, I'm going to f- shit up for everyone i'm gonna sh- give them like jewel of the fates jewel, yeah one of the most stunning pieces yeah. of music so like you get you get goosebumps, you get goosebumps yeah in your hair. so john williams just... i think was had seen a different version of the films to me it's like, <laughs> oh god i need to make sure that the music's just as good yeah either and that or he get, was compensating um, <laughs> and then we get hayden christensen but yeah um yeah. anyway so you you obviously um dave you mentioned there about black christmas it being like a millimeter or so behind halloween and i do think when you think of of black christmas you've got to kind of recognize that the original the 74 bob clark film it laid the groundwork for a lot of what we love and appreciate as horror fans didn't it yeah so i think what's unique about black christmas as a I, I want to say series or franchise because I think it is a franchise. That's maybe what the safe thing t- is to say. What this book tackles then is it does it does go over all three films, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I, I think I saw a comment because you've you've there's been quite a lot of press today. Um, so congrats on getting stuff on bloody disgusting. Like that's Thank a you. dream of mine. So well done, guys. Yeah, um, I think I saw you. You said the majority of the book's going to be about the original uh, film. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, obviously, we're touching also on uh, Black Xmas or <laughs> Christmas <laughs> 2006, yeah. and of course, Black Christmas 2019 uh, with Blumhouse. Um, yeah. So, I think it's fairly easy to determine what you're probably going to say, Dave. But uh, out of all of us, what let's let's start with with you, Paul. What's what's your favourite entry? Yeah, 1974 is is the easy answer. So yeah, it's 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 a classic, you know. Um, it's 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 just we we don't really need to to wax lyrical about things that probably have already been said, but it's 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 a very it's a very important horror film, you know, in terms of the the history of it and the, and its and its legacy. And 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 as Dave said, how bold it is, you know, it's quite interesting that a film from 1974 is taking risks that a film in 2021 would not even dare to, hmm. uh, yeah. because of the way that film, you know feature films are shot now. I think. Um, 2006, I, I found a new kind of appreciation for because of um, I think, like we said before we, we started recording, it's got this kind of like trashy 80s sensibility to it, yeah. um, and it was really interesting for us because we got to talk to someone who was on the set of 2006 and got to see some of the um, interactions, shall we say, that were going on that okay. were that will That's be done. part of the book, and and yeah. also. Um, 2019 from rewatching it is it's got some ideas in there that aren't fully realized <clears throat> but having spoken to the co-writer April Wolf and uh, some of the production team um it was very interesting to find out what it could have been and and, yeah. and finding that and obviously ultimately what it did become because it's like there was some missed opportunities there there was some uh, casting choices that um could have maybe swung the balance a little bit in their favor but again it's there's so much it, it's very much a modern day 
it's, 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 it's a, a film of the time, it's, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was. I find it really interesting though because I watched a film earlier this year and it's called um, Initiation. It's. I think it's. It's fairly cheap, but it's got the same basic premise as what essentially is Black Christmas 2019, but it just mm. kind of nails it a bit better because I think again, it's got the pressure of having Black Christmas on it on, on the name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, personally, I, I saw the 2019 film and I think it shares some DNA with the overall kind of idea of it being girls in a sorority house and a university. But other than that, I think it, I don't know. I, I, I think I spoke about this on the No Goals Allowed podcast last year. It was, I think it's my least favorite out of the three, if I'm being honest. Um, and I think it, it was trying, it had too many ideas, I think. Um, and it, what, I don't know. I don't think it should have been a Black Christmas film in my eyes, but that's, 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 that's my view. Um, but Liam, what about you? Cause I think me and you share quite a similar opinion on our yeah. favorite of the series. So, um, it's, it's only just ahead. I really enjoyed the 26, uh, 2016, but they are created a new one. Um, uh, rewrite <laughs> the book immediately. Uh, the 2006, uh, version, but it's purely because that was the first one I saw because I, um, I really wanted to watch Black Christmas and I was in, um, it must have been somewhere like CEX or somewhere like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's there. It's like a quid. I'll buy that. Got home and to, I was like, oh, this isn't, this is quite modern. Realized it was the, the oh, wow. okay. version, so not mistake. the 1974. Yeah. Um, watched it. And then, um, because I'm a sucker for a teen horror, I was like, oh, okay, this is right up my alley. And then, so yeah, I, I have, with that being my first, I've got such a fondness for for the 2006 version. But it's only to me, it's it's only that fondness that makes mm. it barely just over the line over the original 74 version. Yeah, I have such a massive love for the 74 version. It not to coin a to coin a phrase that the the youth of nowadays <laughs> use, but it it is the blueprint. <laughs> um, and um no, i just sick love man. that sick it, <laughs> sick man okay okay i love that it, it it has no rules to follow it doesn't yeah. have anything to adhere to um it doesn't have any tropes that it either tries to stick to or stay away from it's its own entity um and i'm a huge margot kidder fan because mm. when i was <laughs> when i was little I just love the idea of Lois Lane being this like <laughs> this like chain smoking badass. <laughs> I've never seen that before. So when I found out she was in the seventy four version, I was like, I need to watch this immediately. And she happens to be one of my favourite characters in it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the, with the twenty nineteen version, I got excited for it initially when I found out there was going to be a new Black Christmas. And then when I saw Blumhouse's name attached to it, I was like, okay, that. I've enjoyed some things. I've not enjoyed some things. So it can go either one, either one way for me. Unfortunately, it went down the the bad <laughs> route for me. I I don't mind when a, like a, a PG thirteen horror is made because I really like um, gateway horror. I love mm. it. It's why I love uh, scary tales to tell in the dark. Perfect piece of gateway horror. But with this, to me, it was like um, an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, on a really the, off day, yeah. The lizard, <laughs> yeah. the lizard boy episode of Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer, oh, yeah. done completely in a shambles. And yeah. I don't know much about 
any decisions that were made and when i read the book i'll find out um but i feel like there's a different film that seems to be trying to break through when i'm watching that and it seems to be censored to all holy hell but no and um shout out to my friend izzy as she is listening um she has a crush on 2006 billy do you know what i watched it last night and i kind of see it i'm not gonna lie i kind of see it um but yeah Uh, uh, robert mann robert mann it's well, now I'm going to go find him on social media. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's in the he's got an interview in the book, hasn't he? Yeah, too fair. He yeah. was so helpful because I kind of interviewed him like we do. We had to do it over email and that, and then I kind of went back to him about seven months later, and he was like so helpful and very transparent with what he was saying as well in terms of yeah. what was going on on set. Um, he was great. Yeah. Well, I did. Yeah. If it's okay, I did want to just dive into that like a little bit because I mean I'm pretty much the same as as you, Liam. Uh, the tw- 2006 film was the first like exposure to Black Christmas I ever had, um, and then I sought out the classic after that. Um, and I will say the classic does stick out in my head as like one of those films that still all these decades later is just chilling. Like it does yeah. get under your skin. The 2006 film, however much I, I love it, um, I think it's kind of weird that there was obviously a lot of interference and pressure, I think, from the Dimension, the Weinsteins, all of that. And then also, I find it very funny that tw- in 2019, we get a film that is very much part of the Me Too movement, which was kind of spurred yeah. on by Mr. Weinstein. So in some ways, I find that kind of duality between those two quite interesting. But so in the book, do do we get a bit of an idea as to what was going on on set then, in particular on the 06 Black Christmas? Yeah, but yeah, we, we, we get as much as obviously we can say without getting sued, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no no spoilers, no spoilers. But. <laughs> yeah, um, some some people who we interviewed talk about the, um, the pressures because uh, one of the people that we did want to get for the book um, was Glenn Morgan, who mm. obviously wrote it and directed it. Um, he is pretty much divorced from the project. It's a bit like Fincher in Alien Three. He do, he doesn't consider doesn't it part talk of, about it. Yeah, he doesn't talk about it. And, and and when people do mention it to him, he just shuts them down. Yeah, um, we did try multiple times to get Glenn, um, but people have spoke around what was going on because um, basically, yeah, in terms of the the set itself, there was. Um, the Weinsteins wanted a very different film than Glenn Morgan was, was filming and he was basically forced to film parts of the film that he didn't want to. Mm. And then the Weinsteins went behind his back to film like inserts um, on sound stages and um, and then he would he found out after the fact, basically. Uh, that's I think that's oh, fairly cool. common knowledge. Yeah. Um, but then um but uh, the Dan Duffin, who used to run the It's Me Billy dot com website, was um, which is a Black Christmas fan site, which you can find on Google. It's, it's it's a good little time capsule of resource in terms of the history of Black Christmas. Yeah, uh, Dan was invited on set because um, wow. he was running the website. The website was really big at the time, and he was living in England. I think he was living in Doncaster. Um, and um, that's so he, cool. He flew over on his own expense as well, and then and got to spend I think it was a week on on set while they were filming. Uh, so he saw everything, he, and you know Bob Gosh. Clark on set, and um, and he he's we've had a few Skype chats with him and loads of email correspondence, and yeah, some of the stories he's told us, God, 
you know. <laughs> oh my god, it sounds uh, it sounds juicy. I can't wait to to read the book. To be honest, I think yeah. that always stuck out to me, um, like the difference between the trailer and then <laughs> what we see in the film and the alternate cut of the film, like the different endings and all of that. It's well, I, I don't know. It's very well, weird. Basically, the, tra- the trailer was shot by the Weinstein's. And that's got nothing. There's none of that in the film. It was just literally shot for the trailer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I they do just, kind they of spent loads of money on it. And it's I want like, to see like what, how that would factor into the narrative when she's getting kind of getting pulled into that weird combine harvester life looking <laughs> thing. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's very very odd, and I think it's uh, very disrespectful to the filmmakers as well, like who who have ultimately been brought on to to make a film. Um, and then aren't allowed to do it. But hey-ho, everyone gets what they deserve. So Mr. Weinstein's in prison this Christmas. Yeah. So. Yeah. He'll <laughs> yeah. Uh, be, uh, be next to Billy's cell. It's one of those things, again, like you were saying, that with the 2019 one, it's almost like there's a film they're trying to get out. Yeah. And I think that's the same with the 2006 one. Because apparently the original script of 2006 was a lot more in the same vein as the 74 one. It was very creepy. It was more atmospheric. And then obviously Weinstein come by, we want loads of blood and blah, blah, and stuff like that and stuff. So yeah. it's, it's quite interesting that the, there is another film in there, like the mm. 2019 one, that we'll probably never see because it's been, you know, messed about with and re-edited and reshot and all that kind of stuff. But it's a shame, really, because it's it would be really nice to um to kind of get an idea of what it would have been like yeah before all the interfaces as well because uh, i think one of the big ideas that we certainly took uh, from talking to people as well was that um one of the things that the wine scenes did add in and, and no one can really explain why was um the the part where billy obviously has killed his mother then decides to eat parts of her after yeah. making her into christmas cookies that was a complete what that was a that was a weinstein idea glenn morgan had nothing to do with that and he was basically told you're doing it you know They'd, uh, they'd hired all these practical effects people who'd obviously got to make these like skin cookies and uh, and obviously you know you do the closest where he's eating with his teeth and um, and, and I think um, and again Agnes I think Agnes was added in by the Weinsteins last minute so whereas Agnes is a mention in the 74 film obviously yeah. the manifestation in the 2006 film was to cast somebody and then uh, Dean Friss, who was a camera operator who Glenn Morgan had worked with on X-Files and Final Destination and, and a few other things, uh, was basically there and they were like, you know, you can do this. You know, he'd done a lot of better acting, but then it was kind of, it's very strange because it's, it's, it's obviously a man playing a female role, but obviously it's in a time when, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's like, how, how, how do you classify it in 2006? It's quite, yeah. it's quite difficult, you know, because obviously it could, you could potentially tread on toes and and yeah and offend and offend people and and because it's very unspoken and um they they never really no one's ever really addressed that which is quite interesting no. because we, no. we did talk to dean as well and he and he was really up for it but we just couldn't get schedules to line so we're hoping that for the next book um well sorry for the, well if we get to do a second edition we can get some some words from him because i think he's very open to talking about what what went on on set as well yeah yeah it's very interesting. I know me and you, Liam, we kind of spoke about that, didn't we? Um, about the yeah. fact there was a, um, obviously a male actor or, or camera up who was then cast as in a female role. And I think in horror, that's kind of something you probably see more than any other genre. Um, cause yeah. I think it, 
I, I think that's where the the offense ultimately lies and if we, when it's the the horror elements like a, a man is playing a woman to be yeah. horrific um as opposed to it i don't know having any other kind of meaning but i i don't know i think with with all of its problems i think the series is a very unique one i love how warped it is like, especially yeah. christmas like christmas being that yeah. one cheery the most wonderful time of the year <laughs> but i just love a good holiday holiday one which is which is why i got really excited um in the 2019 one that opening that opening shot i thought that it was the suspense was there and i thought oh god this is going to be good and then i was like what was i remember sitting there thinking well like <laughs> don't be such a tease show me something <laughs> i literally I, that's how i felt actually all the way through that I don't want to lower the tone at all, but it's like it was edging me all the way through that film. It's like, oh, oh, I'm gonna get, to, I'm gonna get. Oh no! And then it was just black goo. So it's keep bringing up the black goo. But <laughs> oh, would you say you got something out of it then? At least for your five quid visit me ticket. Actually, no, because nothing happened. No, no, no. So that's another thing to blame it for then. Mm. Well, it's, it's, no. it's very, very interesting. The 2019 one, and I went to see it, and I, and I came out of it, and I was kind of like, I was, I was a bit angry. I was sort of like. And, I, and then I kind of got got over my ego a lot, and I was like, you know, it's just it's probably not as, as bad as I thought it was. And from rewatch, it wasn't. And then obviously I started to do the research in terms of what you know what the film could have been, and everything else that kind of went with it. And obviously there was the initial backlash as well, which the director and the writer were very vocal about, and and, and pushed back as well, you know. And I think obviously Dave and Liam, you know, as filmmakers, that people will have opinions on on what you make. Yeah. Regardless, oh, yeah. you know, knowing <laughs> what, you know, you know what you what your intentions were, um, you know how you know what it was like to film, you know, dealing with actors, you know, there's 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 a whole dichotomy of you know different different areas that you can look up. But my initial reaction was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Liam um, said there before, like, and you were you were just a bit perplexed, I think, because yeah, black goo, black goo. <laughs> Black goo. Yeah, I, black I, I saw that black goo. I was like, "Isn't this the X Files?" I remember the X Files having black goo and stuff. The alien goo and everything. I was like, "Where's Scully?" Yeah. I suppose the the big a big question would be, um, particularly for you, uh, Paul and, and Dave, would you ever want to see? another version of Black Christmas. Do you think it needs another remake or do we just stick with the original or what we've got? I would like to see somebody do it again, but I don't think anybody will, if I'm honest. Because yeah. I think what, what it is, is it, it's, it's really tricky. Even though there has been three films in this series or franchise or whatever we want to call it, it's not a marked property the way that... Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is coming out in February. In, yeah. Another Texas Chainsaw Massacre. God knows how many times someone has tried to... <laughs> redo that film or do some sort of iteration on it um, yeah but it's got a mark it's got a marquee name you know the, the you know they're doing a video game of it now um halloween is back in a big way you know regardless of opinions on kills it made a lot of money yeah um I mean, so from a commercial point of view it is marketable i don't think black christmas personally is as marketable as the halloweens and like if like if freddie came back next year and, and yeah. did it for the nightmare on elm street robert england aside there would yeah. be a real buzz around it whereas Black Christmas has, has been scolded twice at the box office when they tried to reboot it. I don't know if there's there's enough legs there to kind of to make the sequ- the sequel or the the remake that we feel like you know that we deserve as horror fans. It, mm. It's hard and it's it, it's a shame as well. Um, yeah, I, I think Dave's got um, ideas as well. Yeah. 
I have, I have, I think I do agree with Paul on certain I think the, the the remakes have scolded the brand almost. Um, but I I think there are ideas out there you could explore. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I'm planning to do for me PhD is um, write a sequel script to it. Oh wow! Okay. Which so is you- like a full. So it means I'm going to do references and stuff for half of the bloody research which is great but it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of the things i can do is i can write a full feature length script and um you know looking at the original film there are a lot of questions that are not answered but yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't want to answer them i yeah. just add more questions to it incredible yeah no, I, I think it's, it's not. But you you start you start explaining stuff, and you've got the 2006 one again. Yeah, you've got the whole the whole bloody families there. <laughs> it's like how the hell? Like 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 how the hell does somebody get down a fire escape? I don't understand that. Like, how many bloody hidden rooms are in that house? <laughs> so many I just hidden don't, rooms. I, I, you know, I mean the attic, fine, great. You know, everybody's got an attic and stuff. But the bloody you know bloody bits in between walls and rooms and everything. I was like, oh god. <laughs> Imagine putting that on home improvement. Jesus. Any home design channels. Are we going to knock this wall through? There might be a body in there, though. Oh, I'd love that. Oh, I'd love oh, like, Jack Frusic. Like, oh, oh, my God, it could be an episode of Through the Keel. Billy's eye. Billy's eye. Yeah, Billy's eye. It'd probably be Angus. Agnes. That'd be amazing. That would be so good. You. you might be the filmmaker to do it, Dave. You might be the one to, to take us home and give us the Black Christmas we, we deserve. Or the sequel. Well, well who knows? I, 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 well, the, the the only thing I'd tell you about it now, because it's such a kind of idea in my head, is I wouldn't I, I wouldn't set it in modern day. Yeah. No. It would probably be the eighties. Yeah. Or maybe going into the nineties. But I'm yeah. still because I, I want to eliminate mobile phones again. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only one you had in the eighties was those big gigantic things like in Wall Street and stuff. In <laughs> you don't need them in a film. But I yeah. think we we were saying before we jumped on, Paul, weren't we? Um, I think if we didn't have mobile phones, we'd lose the really lovely, annoying ringtones that every character seems to have. <laughs> the two thousand and six yeah. film. Fallacio. <laughs> Fallacio. <laughs> That's. Do you know? Honestly, that is probably one of my favourite scenes out of that film. Is Sergeant Nash. <laughs> that, that, that whole scene with the fellatio and the, the cop in the background just dying of hysterics and John Saxon trying to hold it together because, I don't know it's something dirty in it and he just starts laughing again and every time it gets me every single time and that that's again the, the beauty of Bob Clark is this film gets under your skin and yet he can do comedy with it yeah yeah there's so many funny bits in that film and there's so many bitchy comments in that film and stuff. <laughs> yes. Mostly off Margot Kiddo and stuff. But, but do you know what I mean? It's just, it works on so many different levels and, and I've never seen another film really just do it like that. I yeah. really like, Bob, um, I really love Porkies. That's a Bob Clark. <laughs> yeah. 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 Porkies. I Porkies don't know what fun. it is. It's like, on paper, it's not something that like, I normally enjoy, but there's just something about that film. He's got such a, I don't, he's he's got such a tongue in cheek to it. Well, it's not even tongue in cheek; it's fully out. But it's just. Uh, <laughs> oh, Is no, that, I, are you referencing the thing that's through the wall in the? Um, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I know what I'm doing that for. <laughs> for people at home, uh, Dave's making a wee gesture. Um, is that the, is that that scene that you're on about? In the um, the women's showers, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. The the, the 
Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. This is audio, right? This is just audio. Just, yeah, just I wish. I wish we had a visual. I think I might. I might have to uh, just do it again, Dave. <laughs> there you go. Amazing. I'm used to doing that because I just do lot less monsters on the wall when I'm really bored and stuff. So. Um, I've learned a lot about that's you. Just this how I spend, that's just how I spend my Sundays, to be honest. <laughs> well. Wow. As Dave said, though, in terms of like the funny parts, I think one of the parts that I find most funny in the, in the 74 one is where, where Margot Kidd, it's clearly like about one o'clock in the afternoon, she's completely trashed and like, <laughs> trying to feed the, the kids booze while they're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Like, Why not? Why not? And I'm, so, I'm sorry, but Mrs. Mack, pure <laughs> genius. I can't. That woman, that woman, she's my retirement aim to have... <laughs> Books around the house that have liquor in them. That's my yes. aim as a per, as a pensioner. That is my aim and stuff. And the fact that she's just like doing this to people, putting her fingers up to people and stuff. I mean, that was going to be a question. This book oh. does it feature an alcove to just stick uh, an, an alcohol bottle in there? Because we, 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 we carefully not... we carefully screen capped the middle finger being stuck up, <laughs> so it's in there. But Amazing. you know, you know, like finding out about all these, you know, all these actors and actresses and stuff. You know, it was that. That was equally just as fascinating because you know a lot of them hail from Canada and stuff, and, and yeah. you know the Canadian film industry does not get a look in no. with stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why Halloween became the more well-known one is because Canada's output and, and influence in the you know the film world nothing outmatches Hollywood. No. So Black Christmas, yes, it was the first one, and it paved the blueprint and it paved the way for everything and stuff. But it kind of got lost because Halloween kind of yeah. Yeah, over it, and I think that's just why. And again, it goes back to the idea that, of this brand and trying to get a brand that would sell. You know, Halloween yeah. has got big studios behind it. Black Christmas is great and it's iconic and it's brilliant and everything, but it just it just didn't have the same exposure and stuff in a sense. And I think that you know that's why it's always kind of been there in the shadows. But on the subject of what we were contrasting, like Halloween, and so I read that um, Carpenter approached. Um, Bob Clark about making a sequel to to Black Christmas. And I mean, I know that Bob Clark didn't want to, but I just, in my head, I can't help but dream about what that would be like. The sad thing is, before he was tragically passed away with the car accident, he he was expressing some interest in making a sequel, as oh. far as we know. Um, but obviously, there, there was there was very loose ideas that he it wasn't mm. anything like planned or visualized no. or anything. There was just you get the impression something was going on. I don't know whether it was because mm. he'd seen the 2006 one and kind of gone, eh, okay. But, <laughs> you know, he might, I, there was, from what we've kind of looked at, that nobody's really said it out, right? Mm. Um, and a lot of people we spoke to kind of went, no, you shouldn't really do a sequel to it. But from the outset, it seemed like there was something, it was something that he might have potentially gone to revisit at some point. But obviously, you know, unfortunately, he, he passed away. But that is another way that it, like, is also, even though it set the blueprint for horror films, like the modern slasher, it kind yeah. of, like, kind of, like, went by its own own rules in a way that it, like, it wasn't an established franchise. They didn't beat yeah. the Dead Horse. They didn't do, like, a Hellraiser or Friday the 13th and make sequels, and Nightmare on Elm Street, mm. just sequels after sequel after sequel that diminished yeah. in quality and lost its essence. So I do really enjoy that you can take that 74 film enjoy it for what it is and not have to worry mm. about the content technically the continuation of it carrying on we do get the mm. remakes obviously there's, mm. there's, there's 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 little hints every now and again over the years i mean if you watch um 
the voice of Leslie Vernon and stuff, they employ they employ that Billy is his mentor. Yeah, yeah. It's it's never said fully, and you know it's never said. But they, there's uh, enough information there that if you want that to be Billy, mm-hmm. yeah. Can be. And it, and it makes sense, you know, if you want it to work, that you can and stuff. And then you've got the fan film that came out, which is the same title, It's Me, Billy, um, which Dave McRae did and stuff. And if, and if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It's really good and stuff. It's it's really like a studio version of a, of a sequel, basically, and stuff. So, um, you know, there's, there's like, I mean, I think the thing is, like you say, if you've done sequels to it and it had become an established franchise, I think it would have been very difficult to not have shown more and more of Billy as you went along. Yeah, yeah. You would, have, you would have you would have got to Billy's dead the final Christmas or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, f- I feel that's why the um, the 2006 version. That's what they wanted by mon- like making such a monster out of Billy in that by making him jaundice and like giving him like the grotesque element. I really feel like they were trying to make the next big slasher icon just to shave it fell flat on its arse really. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not even in. He's not even in the new one. So yeah. <laughs> it was quite interesting, though, with the, the 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 idea that because going back to the origins of 2006, um, and we 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 go into this in the book, um, it starts when about 2002. Basically, the Weinstein's wanted Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They, they bid for the rights, didn't get the rights to Texas Chainsaw, so they they basically bought up as many properties as they could, and that's obviously where you get Black Christmas, Halloween. Uh. So there wasn't really an affinity for it. And yeah. obviously, uh, Glenn Morgan coming in was it, it basically done Willard with them, and, and him and James Wong worked quite well together on X Files and the, and the Final Destination movies. Yeah. And then, you have it. interestingly, when you were mentioned about Carpenter, uh, Bob Clark and Carpenter almost collaborated on a film in the it was in the mid seventies, post Black Christmas. Um, it never got made. Um, I've read the script. It's called Prey, and it's basically a slasher film set in a power plant. Wow. Um, and I, I can't remember if, it's, if Clark was going to direct it and Car- Carpenter wrote it and Clark was going to direct it. And basically, this is post-Black Christmas, but pre-Halloween. So it's in that kind of that middle area. Wow. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll send it to you when we're off the call and you, you can have a read of it. Oh, yes, that, that would be ace. Thank you. Yeah, that would be really good. Oh, it's like Christmas has come early. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but again, they, they were talking. Um, I think Carpenter was obviously coming up at the time, you know, he was around the time of, you know, just go, going into Dark Star and uh, Assault on Precinct 18 around the time of like Black Christmas and post-Black Christmas. Yeah. But obviously not up to the point of doing Halloween. So I think obviously as, as much as, you know, Carpenter's film is a masterpiece, there are certain elements that you could say he borrowed from there, you could say he borrowed from oh, the Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it's its, its own film, you know. Um, the, th- the thing is, as well, like like you say, um, Black Christmas was released at a time when you didn't do sequels. Uh, the first Hollywood sequel is Jaws 2, which doesn't come around until 1978, really, like the first mm. proper Hollywood blockbuster mm. sequel. So it's its when that pressure comes from the boom of slashes from Friday the 13th, basically. Yeah. That, uh, that basically Carpenter is... Let's face it, he was bullied into doing Halloween too, him and Deborah yeah. Hill. Um, by Mustafa Akkad and um, and Trankus and whoever else. Um it would have been very interesting to maybe somebody to have tapped Bob Clark on the shoulder around that time and said, Do you wanna do another Black Christmas? You know, because you know um an eighties Black Christmas, you know, especially around the time that Bob Clark's making like a Christmas story and porkies, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I would I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, um, talking of obviously about how Christmas is coming early then, just wrapping things up, um, this book is going to be available, funnily enough, just after Christmas, if I'm, uh, if I'm right in thinking so. Um, I don't know if you guys want to tell people where it's available, how we can buy it, download it, read it, get all that good Billy stuff that we, uh, that we need. The book has been published by Bear Manor Media. Um, they have a Shopify site which you can find, um, they're on social media, but they, if you search for Bear Manor Media on Google, you'll, you'll find them quite easily. They, uh, they specialize in kind of books on film history, so they also have quite a interesting collection around them. Um, they've got some on like Cujo. They done, they've done one on Jaws 2. There's another Stephen King yeah, one. Um, uh, Christine, Christine, there's... Oh, um, amazing. Yeah, they look at a lot of the 50s horrors as well. Like there are like, you know, the uh, B-movie stuff like, you know, monster movies and science fiction and stuff like that. It's actually really interesting, actually. There's quite a lot of stuff that I've kind of got in my wish list that I want to have to go through. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we've said as well, once they've put the pre-order link, we'll put it on the Facebook page as well for people and stuff. So yeah. it's, and I, I, we did try and push for it to get out just before Christmas. Um, we did try. Yeah. <laughs> we asked. Um, but I think it was just like, you know, we're, we're, this is the first thing pretty much we've wrote really. So we're, we're kind of just, they know what they're doing. And yeah. they kind of said, you know, leave it till January. You know, people will be still spending the Christmas money that they've had and things like that and stuff like that. So, so yeah, and it just means you've got something to read next Christmas Eve again when you want to reread it. <laughs> Absolutely. <It's> more boring. <laughs> well, I will say, I do, I do really love that. Um, obviously known you guys for a good few years now but it's nice to see horror fans out there getting to do projects like this you know when you're super passionate about a film you get to like you said paul just finding it through imdb pro going oh okay i could maybe get a hold of these guys and interview them and then it pardon the pun snowballs into something amazing um I, I, I can't personally wait to get my hands on it and, and have a read, uh, whether it's Christmas time or not. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it being out. And I want to say a massive thank you as well for hopping on today and uh, talking, <laughs> talking the, the good shit with us. It's been good. It's been great. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for wanting us on here. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a I, I haven't laughed so much in quite a while actually. Well, you're welcome for that. You're welcome for that. Is there anything uh, you want to add, other Liam? <laughs> oh no, I've uh, I've just loved hearing everyone talk uh, about it. I love I love hearing when somebody's got a passion project such as this. I love hearing them just wax lyrical about it. So it's been it's just been a pleasure hearing you both talk about it and oh, to you. echo what the other Liam said. I I honestly can't wait to read this. Um, this has been my year of reading. So whatever hands um, hands whatever books <laughs> I can get my hands on. Um, yeah, I, I I can't wait. I'm just excited. I can't wait to be um can't wait to update my my Goodreads and just be like <laughs> look at me. I'm a book reviewer now. <laughs> I think it's, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we found out that even we didn't know. Um, yeah. you know so so the biggest one for us is that eye, Billy's eye. Whose eye is that? And we found out who it is. Okay, that, that's a pretty big deal. That's oh. a pretty that's big a, deal. That's a pretty big deal. We found out who it was. And we, we're, we're about 99.5% positive we know who it is now. Fantastic. Because from the people from the people who were literally there on the day shooting it, 
<laughs> yeah, it was so, on the schedule. So, it was on the schedule, yeah. as you saw. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, and, well, if so if you at home want to find out whose eye it was, it's me, Billy. Black <laughs> Christmas Revisited will be published by Bear Manor Media on the twenty eighth of January, twenty twenty two. We'll be sure as well to pop a pre order link in our description as well for you guys. Um, but yeah, please support these guys. They're amazing. I can't wait for this book to be out. And uh, I suppose this episode is going to be coming out just before Christmas. So, do you guys want to wish? anyone at home a, a merry christmas <laughs> uh i just hope you all enjoy unpacking billy's new secrets i guess really and thank mm-hmm. you to our illustrator peter and leela as well who's our proofreader as well because they like you know the art that peter made of you know from the cover, off, it's just, yeah i need the cover's yeah, amazing the cover is absolutely gorgeous it is it's yeah. lovely <laughs> i've told him to get some prints made next year to sell because he, oh, he's yeah. got two different ones he did the original one that we went with and then he did a brand new one Ooh. as well so there's two that Ooh. he's done there okay um so but I, I you know we have said you know multiple times get, get them online sell them yeah get them out there people will buy these because they're stunning I've got, I've got one on me i've got one on my wall just here and stuff in a frame because i just i just think it's gorgeous <laughs> and stuff and the best, the best part about the artwork was as well, um, because um, I'm really crap when it comes to like graphic design and things like that. I'm like, can you make it look like this? And with like little, literally z- next to no instructions, he just come back with that, and I was like, how the hell have you come up with that? You know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't draw for toffee, so I'm, I'm always fascinated by the can. And they're like, and he just, he just got it, he got it straight away, and I was like, this. And then I think yeah. when, when we've been writing it as well, I mean, I, I can't yeah. speak today, but. Because it's been a passion project, it's been easier to write. Whereas sometimes you, when you're writing about things that you're not passionate yeah. about, it, it oh, can God, be yeah. like, yeah, it's like the death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can um, imagine. No, it's, been, it's, it's been fun. Yeah, and we've never been dig, you know, digging through like newspaper articles from like 1974 <laughs> and, yeah. and from Canada. And you're like, these newspapers that people will never probably read again. And, you know, old fangories. <laughs> and it's just been great. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been a proper like treasure hunt for you guys, really, like doing all of this. Um, is, have you got any any ideas or anything else that you want to tackle going forward? Any other ones? Oh, yeah. I've got to write scripts. I've got to write your script, Mister. Yeah, you have, still, Dave. So, still doing it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm still doing it. <laughs> this has yeah, all been um, a ploy. The the book isn't real. This is just <laughs> it's an intervention. <laughs> write the bloody script. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna get off this call and just be like, right, Dave. Come on. <laughs> I've got my matchsticks here for my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a couple of ideas. Um, I've, I've basically uh, been over the past 12 months or so just kind of starting on another book on uh, of all the things, George the Revenge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which is yeah, a that, Christmas that. film. Which is a Christmas film. It, it <laughs> technically <laughs> is. Technically <laughs> is. So at least we're consistent. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, wow. why, I, just, I just want to know why the shark roars. Why not? Messed up films, I think, because like you know, with 2006 and 2019 Black Christmas being like you know troubled productions, I think George uh, the Revenge is a notoriously troubled production. <laughs> it's really fun to kind of to go back and talk to people about what a shambles it was. And, uh, yeah, I mean, surely you're going to get all the spicy goss, aren't you, of, uh, <laughs> of everything? Because we will still talk about it. Um, and the the other project, which is just in the kind of the gestation period, is one of the Maniac Cop series. Oh. Okay, so this is what I mean. This is cool. Like you, you take you like you, you hitting these these films that I suppose we've all kind of known and come to love 
like as we've discovered horror um so it's 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 cool being able to go and read and find out a little bit more about how this stuff was made so i'm excited if you need a hand with anything then let me know <laughs> i don't know how i could help but i'm i'm, I'm willing and able you on stuff have an interview that areas inspires you and stuff all that kind of stuff where like cool more filmmakers the better so yeah, yeah. no awesome uh sounds good um well i suppose that's it for for this little segment of the podcast we'll head back to present day where me and the other liam are still talking about probably something very gay <laughs> uh, well <laughs> i don't know how to bring ourselves back in from that that was that was a load of fun uh, i will say with the title uh is it oh, i always read it as alan carr it's me alan yeah <laughs> I, I i did exactly the same so i'm glad i'm not alone yeah. in that okay. <laughs> um, both films featuring a killer called billy um and both films featuring, as Kelly Rowland would put it, which has to be brought up, but... Tell me something. What kind of f*** it runs around in a Christmas sweater? That yeah. quote was perfectly made for this film, I think. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> I just feel like Kelly Rowland, I feel like if we could superimpose her into a different, into a cut of this film... So this is, this just... is how you'd get Kelly Rowland in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, 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 and it would, be, it would be, and I'm bringing up the sl- the sledding thing again. <laughs> is those kids are going down the hill really fast on a the sled? They look to their left, and Kelly Rowland's in the woods. Then what kind of wears <laughs> <laughs> a Christmas sweater? And then they're like that shot, and then the head gets lobbed off. Yeah. So in essence, it's all Kelly Rowland's fault. I'm not going to lie. Look where they were going. The last episode when you spoke about Child's Play 3, when I was editing it, and you were saying about how Destiny's Child's Play needs to be a thing, uh-huh. and I need a soldier. <laughs> when I tell you that, that I probably replayed that a good few times because it just made me absolutely piss. <laughs> and then I went to TikTok probably like 20 minutes later, and it was a montage of Michelle just falling over. And oh, it was that bit where, when they're singing, I need a soldier. <laughs> and she just hits the floor. But yeah, it's uh, it's Michelle. I feel sorry for because she gets a lot of bad press. But she has people don't realise that Michelle has one of the most soulful voices out there. But this isn't the Destiny's Child podcast. Um, <laughs> that that's going to be the sister podcast that we start next year. <laughs> <laughs> the sister, oh, it'll be like the second cousin podcast. To be fair, <laughs> very very weak me. link. Absolutely. Well, um, talking of good links, I'm going to link us into the next section. Oh, uh, seamlessly done. <laughs> so we're going to talk about our recommendations this month. And mm-hmm. I have two this month. And one of them isn't a book. <gasps> uh, uh, and wait, hold up. <laughs> hold up. <laughs> I don't mean to flip the script for episodes in. But there we go. Some might say I'm versatile. Um, <laughs> Learning a lot about you on this podcast, Liam. A lot of so, my first recommendation is my book, and it's called The Curse of the Mountain by Tyler Cram. And it, for me, is like if Stranger Things and John Carpenter's The Thing kind of like combined into one fantastic story. Yeah. It really, like, it's about four friends who like find an old book and like dickheads. <laughs> they don't just leave the book alone. They have nope. to open it and unleash absolute horror 
onto a small little mountain town. Um, I'm loving the sound of this already. It is absolutely incredible. It's a debut novel by Tyler Cram. I'm really excited to read more of his work because you can really tell that he's a massive horror fan when you yeah. read. Um, the only issue I take with the book is it you it, it uses the F slur uh, and it uses the N slur. So yeah. it's got homophobic slurs and, and racial slurs in it. They're used by characters who technically would say it because they're dickheads. Yeah. But I feel like you don't have you can you can portray that somebody's a homophobe and a racist without beating us over the head with it. That's my only gripe, but it's his first book. So <laughs> you'll let gay, him off the hook. As a gay man, I'll let him have a pass for <laughs> one use of the F slur. I can't say anything about the N slur, that'll be after someone else. But the fact that on the first two pages of this book there's a splatter of brain matter, you need to you need to read this book. And it's not it's not like a really long one. I really loved it. I'd really love to see if somebody adapted this into a film because yeah. I feel like I'd, it would be gory. It would be very gory. But yeah, that's one of my recommendations this month. No, uh, sounds I'll good. You, I'll let you do another one and then I'll go back into... Okay. Well, mine's not necessarily uh, a horror film. It was just something that kind of caught my eye. And, um, and obviously, I think people have been talking about quite a bit. There's been the release of a new... Uh, gay rom-com over on Netflix so completely not horror related it might be horrific in other ways <laughs> um, as Trixie and Katia kind of uh, oh, my days. Yeah. <laughs> flipped the table when they watched it but it's called Single All The Way and it stars Michael Yori who you might recognise from Ugly Betty um, Ugly Betty by the way was just a show that I grew up on mm, same. absolutely Wilhelmina Slater yeah I mean oh. yeah legend um but i don't know i thought i thought it was really great to see um netflix obviously this huge institution taking a chance and doing something like that i think it is riddled with stereotypes and there's a lot of problems but at the same time i'd never really kind of seen that happen so mainstream before so that was a really nice thing to watch it's christmasy it's got jennifer coolidge in it hi so, oh, that, that- that, Jennifer Coolidge and Catherine and Jimmy in that film. Yes. W- they carried that film. Absolutely. I make. think I, that's what I will say. I think if those two weren't in it, I don't think it would the have been as enjoyable. Catherine and Jimmy's character has a little sign, Welcome to a Gay Son Home, that says Slay Queen, but spelled <laughs> yes. like Santa Slay. <laughs> Absolutely. If that, also, I really related to this film on like a, an atomic level because you've got a character in there who likes a drink, wears a lot of animal print, uh, is an ex-theatre person. It was weird. She was slowly morphing into you as I was watching it. I am Jennifer Coolidge. I can't do an impression. Hi. Um, (laughs) Hi. (laughs) That was uncanny. I do do often look at a man and think, makes you want a hot dog real bad. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, To be fair, what the film lacks in originality and plot yeah it makes up for in jennifer coolidge uh we'll go into my second recommendation which is a film it's christmasy and it's horror e horror amazing horror e that's a new word it's uh, the 2016 film um directed by chris peckover called better watch out Mm. um it I really, the reason why it, it kind of flew under my radar, I'd never really heard of it. And then I saw a poster for it online 
and the poster's incredible because it's like a young like a teenage girl and a younger lad with like a Christmas tree behind him she's got a knife in her hand and yeah like, oh that looks like Halloween but Christmas if that makes sense <laughs> yeah like, oh that sounds good well she's this a babysitter film, isn't she yes she is yeah. this film was nothing like nothing that I was expecting it to be okay nothing I don't know how I've not watched it yet because I think I'm sure that was on like Netflix for a good while as well. It has an incredible Home Alone inspired kill in it. Okay, I don't. And I'm going to say I don't want you to spoil it because I think I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to watch this. I'll just give you that. It it, it blends practical. It, it's like blends practical and CGI effects seamlessly. Great. Uh, I really loved it. At the end of it as well, I was just like, I was sitting there and I was like, I could watch another three yeah. or four of those. Um, but what's upsetting about it is it just didn't perform well at all. No. It was I, mm. it, it was budget of three million and it made 188,000. Oh my gosh, that's dire, isn't it? Yeah. Which to me, like... I, d- I don't see That's why. Such a I, I, shame. It, it must have been a marketing thing because this film was just, in, uh, to me, it was just incredible. I loved the acting and it's great. Um, I don't normally like like kids, kid actors, mm-hmm. um, but the kid actors in it were, were, were great. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got like, to me, a incredible final girl in it. Um, okay. I don't know how to pronounce the surname. Olivia Dijonge, I'm going to say. It's probably not pronounced like that. But who plays the main final girl? Adina Menzel. Who? <laughs> Adele Dizzy. Adele Dizzy. Um, but it's got that really sexy one from Stranger Things and the Power Rangers movie, is it? <gasps> oh. Jacob Montgomery. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Who also plays a Billy in Stranger Things. <laughs> It's God. all about Billy this episode, that isn't it? so sexy. Damn, son. Okay, okay. Well, while if, we give Liam a minute to calm you, down. <laughs> if I haven't convinced you to watch it yet. Um... I think, you know, in all honesty, I can remember it coming out, but I think it was around a similar sort of time as when The Babysitter came out on, like, Netflix. And yeah. I very much thought it was going to be, like, a similar sort of thing. And I was kind of like, I know a lot of people penned it as, like, Home Alone, but a horror mm. film version. Um, and I think that was that was like one of the OG things, wasn't it? The yeah. um, the trailer of Home Alone being recut as like a horror film. Mm-hmm. I can remember that being on like YouTube like years ago. Um, and I don't know why no one's necessarily done that. I know we had You're Next and Ready or Not kind of yeah. in that vibe of... Well, that's who she thing. reminds me of. The, the, the main girl in this really reminds me of uh, Samara, Samira, Samara, Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving, yeah. Yeah. Really reminds me of her. I think they're both. I love her as well. I think she's, me too. She's incredible. She, she really has like. I don't think her potential's even been reached. Yeah. Um, no, I think she she's she's well been. on her way. I didn't know. I'm sure there was a rumor that she was going to be in the new Scream because obviously the guys who did Ready or Not are yeah. are involved. Well, they're they're behind Scream Five, um, but I I'm kind of hoping if she is involved, I feel like she might be the opening 
Um, I know they spoke yeah. about her and Selena Gomez potentially being in it. Oh, um, I don't think I need I have a, Selena. I have an issue with Selena Gomez. Anyway, your yeah. next well, recommendation, please. Well, these these two um, are purely really based off of trailers that I've seen, so I've not yet been able to check them out, but mm. I think they are going to become readily available soon. Um, but I will obviously err on the side of caution because I know last episode i recommended the apple tv series invasion and i was like hey you should guys should watch this i haven't finished it yet and i did kind of say it might end as a bit of a shit show um and maybe it did <laughs> um so i don't know go into oh. these go, in, go into these choices uh <laughs> maybe with a pinch of salt but there's um a tenuous link to obviously what we've been uh talking about on this episode there's a new film uh coming out called Silent Night, starring Kira Knightley. Um, and I personally, I saw your face then, I personally love Kira Knightley. Um, and I think that however bad she, she may be... She acts from the chin. <laughs> chin upwards. Um, however bad she may be, I um, I don't know. There's something about her being in like a Christmas film that I, I find quite... Uh, quite comfortable. Yeah. So she's in Silent Night. Obviously, there's a whole host of other people in, in this film, but she's the, the kind of the main draw to it. Um, it's essentially from what I've gained from the trailer, uh, she plays the character of Nell. Um, and she's kind of like the matriarch of this family who are inviting over their extended family in the middle of the countryside in England, I take it, to have like a wonderful Christmas together. That's the setup. Right. It looks like your typical kind of get together film. The twist is, is that the apocalypse is coming and everyone's about to oh. die. So this meal is going to be their last meal. Um, and from what I've seen, um, it's directed and written by Camille Griffin. It seems like. It's a re- it's going to be like a really grim, depressing film for Christmas. Because Kira Knight was in it. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, but it, I think there's been comparisons drawn to like how the mist ends, like oh. that sort of grimness. Oh, so okay. personally, I think I, I don't mind that sort of thing. Or and you I could flip the switch and be like ten Cloverfield like. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think that looks like not good fun but looks like a different sort of christmas movie Mm. um and i don't know who doesn't love an end of the world movie i certainly do the other thing that i'm looking forward to checking out is a new series that's coming to netflix um starring Kristen bell now the trailer that's dropped i at first didn't realize that this was a comedy but it's called the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window (laughs) I saw the title of that earlier and I was like, I literally was scrolling through Twitter and I was like, that's that's not real. Somebody just made that up. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, okay. The thing is though, you know, if you watch the trailer, like I I implore anyone listening, go and watch this trailer because you know on first viewing, it is 100% just your typical thriller, horror trailer. It's got the weird violin screeches, the ticking, everything. Um, and I mean, obviously, from the title, it's riffing off of um, various things like Gone Girl comes to mind, the girl on the train, uh, the woman in the window, all of that sort of thing. So I think it, it's it's very clearly taking a lot of ideas from those sorts of thrillers that we've been inundated with recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, I don't know, I love um, Kristen Bell anyway. I think she's genius. Yeah, I loved right. A Good Place. Um, so 
anything I think she lends her comedic talents to will be will be fun. Um and the amount of time she breaks that casserole dish in that trailer <laughs> absolutely ruins me. Like it, I, I I was fully howling. I think you know once I realised it was a comedy, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh this makes sense now. Um but yeah, I, I can't wait for that. I'd I'm not too sure how it's gonna work as a series though. <laughs> I, no. I think it would have maybe been better as a film, but I, I don't know. I'm excited to see I where that goes. We'll see, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I d- it's not so much a recommendation, but it's things that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Is um, this time next month, um, Scream 5 comes out. Well, it's technically Woo-hoo. just called Scream 2022. Uh, they, they've missed They've missed a, 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 a... I don't know. You know how Scream 4 incorporated the 4 as By the A? I it 5 Cream. Yeah, 5 Cream, yeah. I think, would have been would have been just right, to be honest. Like when they did Fantastic Four with, like, Fan4Stick. <laughs> That was awful. That's what um, I need in my life sometimes. But yeah, so Scream 5, Scream 2022. Which the, um, oh, everything that's come out for it so far has me excited. I feel like I didn't enjoy the first trailer, but uh, it's because I'm getting annoyed with trailers at the moment showing too much. Mm. Um, which is what I really like about another film that's coming out, the new Matrix film. That trailer was fantastic because it doesn't give anything away. Well, funny you say that. You know, obviously, I've been ill these last few days. I was like, yeah. I need to, like... I, I I don't know. I needed stuff to watch while I was on the sofa. Um, mm-hmm. And the Matrix was something that I watched, I think, only the first one as a kid. And obviously, yeah. I didn't understand it at all. Um, so I revisited those because I knew the new one was coming out. And mm-hmm. God, I'm excited for this new one now. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the marketing's been genius. Um, yeah. Plus, I think there's, isn't there like a, a VR game as well? There is, out? yeah, and which which you, it turns out it's CGI that's used in it, and it, but it looks real, and that's yeah. very Matrixy and, yeah. Love um, all of that, love love all of that, yeah. But, yeah, with Scream, as I said, I'm excited, because everything that's come out so far have been, has made me really happy. Mm-hmm. Um stills from it um the cast look fantastic i'm so glad yeah. like that the main three are back I'm, i can't wait to talk about gail weathers in so much detail <laughs> because she gail weathers is my final girl i've realized people don't yeah. people forget that yes sydney's the final girl in that film but so is gail and yeah. gail is my favorite final girl and the next month's episode, we will be talking about Scream. We won't be talking it as a, about it as a franchise, purely because I want to talk about the first film, and I need to give each entry into the series yeah. the It's moment. It's moment to shine. To me, even with Scream 3, that is a perfect set of films. Mm-hmm. And it was the franchise for me that solidified my love of horror. It's, yeah. So, yeah, we will be talking about Scream next month. Um, and well, so, yeah, predictions. Got, Have you got any predictions? Do you reckon predictions. we're going to yeah, lose so some key players? We, we've had on the trailer. I'll put my predictions in now. On the new poster, it says the killer is in the, on this poster. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a picture of the ghost face mask there. So I reckon it's a fake out. Like, yeah, seems notorious for its fake outs. I reckon it'll just be the person whoever's behind that ghost face mask, not one of the pictured but i think this may be the one where dewey finally dies yeah i mean they're certainly they're playing that up with the shots of gail kind of screaming and and obviously yeah. we do see ghostface literally grab him and get him up against the wall mm-hmm. um 
I don't know. I feel out of the th- the three kind of legacy characters, he would be the one to to go. I think if there would Gale be outrage if, I, um, if 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 Gale got taken out. I think there'd be outrage. I think it could either go either way. I don't know if they'd be bold enough to then just get rid no. of Sydney quite early on, yeah. because she doesn't seem super featured. Imagine if she's the opening kill. Imagine. Like this is what I mean. Like I feel like oh, they're gonna shit. maybe do something. Um, I'm hoping that you know the doors unlocked, doors open that, that bit. I'm hoping that that yeah. isn't the opening because I feel like they've yeah, given a lot it, away. Well, to me, that looks like Casey Becker's house as well, mm-hmm. mm. which I'm worried about. They seem um, to revisit quite a lot of the. Well, they're they're definitely obviously going back to Stu's house, aren't they? Um, yeah. In, uh, the only that. thing that upsets me with this is I re- part of me. W- I love Scream Four, but part of me wishes Scream Four didn't happen because imagine if this was the film where we got to go back to Woodsboro because yeah. in Scream 4, we didn't get to see... It, like, it wasn't very Woodsboro, was it? No, it, it wasn't. It could have it been was, set anywhere. Yeah. Um, mm. But I'm hoping... I'm hoping... God, hoping... <laughs> hoping. Somehow they bring Kirby back from Scream 4, even though she's yes. not been featured in any of it, because I love Kirby. I thought yeah. she was a great character. But I also think Officer Judy is going to get it. Yeah, the the shot of her driving and kind of shouting. I mean, I know Dylan Monet is her son in it, mm-hmm. so she could be kind of going to 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 to, to that. I mean, she might be um, a good opening kill. You know, kind of how they got rid of uh, Liev Schreiber in in Scream yeah. Three at the start as as Cotton Weary. I think that was that was clever. So they might do something like that. Yeah. I mean, I personally would love to see I know there's been mumblings of it but how cool would it be as if if Stu came back because yeah. I mean there, there's been a, there's a handful of characters that have died never conf- off yeah, screen never or, yeah that we've not seen them I mean Kirby and Stu are the two that kind of jump out to me because it, even in the second one mm-hmm. when um Billy and Stu are mentioned they never confirm that no. Stu's dead they always confirm that Billy's dead mm but while while I'm just talking quickly about Billy, full disclaimer for anybody listening in on the next episode, <laughs> yes, I will. I will be talking a lot about Billy. I think that Skeet Ulrich is one of the sexiest men who's ever, especially in Scream, when he's sucking the corn syrup off of his finger. Oh, my days. Um, but yeah, we... I, Get I, your wet floor sign out. Liam's yeah. going to be talking about Billy Take again next episode. This this <laughs> this this episode has literally been all about Billy, hasn't it's just, it? It's just been the Billy episode. The Billy episode. Really that's that's what all it's been. Oh, let's talk about Billy Piper and what a gay icon she is. <laughs> did you see her at the Fashion Awards recently? Yes. She looks yes. younger than she did when she was she a does. thing. Anyway, again, that's next episode. But what I would yeah. like to do now is I would like everybody to. To sit comfortably, maybe dim the lights a little bit, because we're going to go into our grinder horror stories. Oh. This month's this story, month's story does, does come with a, a Christmassy Christmas theme, theme, so thank, thank you for, you for the person who sent this in anonymously. Sam. Sam. I'm on a third date with a boy that I met on Grindr. We don't don't really call it a date, but it's the polite way of putting it. He tells me that he's into tying each other up. 
which I go along with. We're at his house. He asked me to tie him to the bed, so I tie him to the bed. But then he wants me to tie his balls up. But we've run out of rope. And he said it's fine, use whatever you can. So I'll look around, and the only thing nearby is the Christmas tree. So, so I unravel some tinsel <laughs> from, from the tree and start for oh, my days. Sorry, and start to tie around his balls, which he seems to enjoy at first. And then we start to do other things. And he starts moaning, and I think, "Yay, I'm doing a great job here." But then the moan starts to sound like it's pain. And he quickly quickly says, get it off me, get it off me. And I look look down, down, and his balls have inflated, and are angry red. We're talking Santa suit red. I quickly untie the tinsel from around his testicles, and I untie him from the bed. His balls aren't getting any better at this point. I end the date with this boy, up at A&E, explaining that I had to wrap tinsel around his bollocks. He had an allergic reaction to it. I never saw him again. <laughs> Why do all of these stories end the same? I ran out. I never saw this person again. I deleted Grinder. <laughs> he actually went to A&E with this boy and had to explain to the people that, oh yeah, um, we didn't have anything to tie his balls up with, so I used tinsel. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, to be fair, I don't know how you'd explain yourself out of that one. To be to be honest, <laughs> it's like um, people at A and E are. Like, Why have you got a buzz light here up your ass? Oh, I fell on it. Yeah, <laughs> there was literally something I saw in the news the other day. It was someone had like a World War Two grenade up there, and he was like, "Yeah, I was just I was tidying my collection, and I just slipped and fell." And you're like, "Well, were you naked? And also, how did it go in?" <laughs> but oh god, people, that was. Yeah. That was the festive fright I think I needed to keep me away from the apps this yeah. year. Oh, so, God. thank I just, you. I that. So thank you very much to the person who submitted that story. You did want to remain anonymous, but I'm just I glad can see why. Me. You'll be sitting at home now, just reliving fun memories. And I hope that I did that story the justice that it deserved. But I think um, you did. Christmas baubles for everyone. <laughs> so before we start wrapping up... Um, did you have any Christmas slash holiday traditions? Oh, good question. Uh, I think more than anything, I just like to consume my body weight in food, mainly yes, different types of cheese um, mm. is always a, always a good thing. Um, I, I still put out like a mince pie and a carrot. Okay. I, I don't know if it's. I'm, I'm thinking Billy's going to come and <laughs> need <laughs> need some sustenance on his on his mission of killing people. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's not a tradition. But I will tell you a funny story quickly from what, when I was uh, when I was a kid uh, involving said mince pie and um, and carrot. So I always used to put out. Um, I don't know. People do things differently, don't they? Sometimes they put out milk and cookies, but ours was always yeah. mince pie and a small glass of sherry. So Santa's very classy in uh, in my eyes. And then the <laughs> yeah, absolutely pissed by the time he gets to me. <laughs> um, and then we put out a carrot for Rudolph. And I can remember um, 
obviously my mum like kind of took care of it and then the next morning I came downstairs there was a bite out of the mince pie the sherry had gone so she was obviously pissed um and then I looked out of the window and I just saw a carrot just stuck on a nail on the back fence (laughs) and I just went mom what's that this carrot just fully erect out there was just stood (laughs) at the top of this fence panel um, and obviously, as it transpires, years later, I found out that Santa wasn't real, neither was Rudolph. But at the time, my mum, being the amazing mum that she is, just went, oh, he must have dropped it when he flew away. <laughs> but it was just my mum fully launching it out of the back door. <laughs> and it just Incredible. landing just straight up on this fence panel. Um, so yeah, to, to sort of answer your question, that's still something I do every Christmas Eve, um, just because I'm an absolute idiot, but. Well, I, um, in terms of traditions, yeah. um, I have to watch Muppets Christmas Carol on December 24th on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like Christmas until I've done that. Um, I don't cook on Christmas Eve because I like to cook Christmas dinner. So Christmas Eve oh. is a takeaway day. Yeah. It has to be. And... Um, I, I love that. I can't cook two consecutive days. I need no, to order in one day. Christmas dinner is a big, a big task. You're such a, a diva. Plus, I spend Christmas week drunk because it's my birthday on the 28th, and then it's New Year's Eve a couple of days after that. God, so, it really is like a week of partying then for you, isn't it? It is. So I do spend New Year's on dialysis. So that's a tradition. <laughs> um, but no... Um, one thing that um, I really, really find funny is you've got a funny mum Christmas uh, Eve story, but I've also got a a funny story, and it's how I found out that Santa wasn't real. So <laughs> I was in bed one Christmas Eve, and I must have been about eight or nine or seven okay. or eight. Let's, we'll just go for one of them. And I could hear footsteps and I was like, oh, Santa's here. And I was being a good boy. I was like, I'm not going to go out and see him. <laughs> no, I don't want him catching me. But then I heard like fumbling, like big thuds <laughs> down the stairs. And, oh, fucking <laughs> and it was my mum's voice. So I went running out and there's my mum at the bottom of the stairs, surrounded by my presence. <laughs> Telling me to ring an ambulance. Oh no! Her, <laughs> her ankle was. Oh no! And I was no. like, "What are you doing?" She was like, "I was bringing you a f***ing presence downstairs." Oh. And then she realised what she said. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I found out Santa wasn't real. <laughs> was my mum, who was a bit tipsy at the time, bringing my presence from out of her bedroom downstairs and falling down and spraining her ankle. Oh my god, poor woman. What a way to find out as well. My potty mouth comes from my mother. Yeah, uh, same. In fact, she makes me she makes me look like a nun in comparison. Yeah, same. Um, same. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, the same. That's how I found out Santa wasn't real. And you know what? I'm it, with that being the way that I found out, I'm not mad. At least no. it wasn't some other snot nosed child telling me. Uh, to be fair, I think that's what it was for, for me. There was as well, I won't name names, um, but there was a girl no, who I could not stand in primary school, um, who, you know, I don't know, you go through life and I mean, even as adults, you find these people that they've, they've always got to one up you. They've mm. always got to have like a, a story. And I, I mean, 
this was I was in primary school I think I was about like year three and she like claimed that she'd seen Santa and she was like I went downstairs and I saw Santa then she was like because I looked at him he threw salt in my eyes and I can remember just for years like obviously while I still was it Billy (laughs) while I still believed in Santa thinking oh my god this this guy's gonna blind me um but yeah i know you do you know what i mean like when you grow up and you realize then you think oh my god you absolute bullshit artist like i mean what were you thinking but yeah the only other thing i can think of that is slightly weird but i don't know if it is weird i mean you'll tell me is for breakfast on christmas day i have a bit of pork pie and i don't know if that's like a thing I don't find that weird. I think the, well, pork pie. The, the jelly bit kind of makes me gag a bit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't. I don't enjoy it. But the thing is, is even though I hate it, I still do it. And it's okay. kind of like a thing you've got to do. So it's like the mildest form of self harm ever. Yeah, a bit of pork it's, it's kind of like yeah. I'm, I'm allowed to enjoy the rest of the day now that I've punished. <laughs> I've been a naughty boy. <laughs> I've punished myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just keeping Billy away. You see. Well, um, I um, I'm breakfast i usually have like a book's fizz yeah and uh, i'll make like a bacon sandwich oh. uh, but my drinking starts from from then um <laughs> so yeah i um yeah it's my birthday on the 28th of december and um what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna put my paypal in my twitter so you can all send me money and wish me a very happy birthday because this is a big milestone birthday as well which i don't want to happen we're not going to discuss my age on here but if you've listened to previous episodes you'll probably guess what it is i've just got a rule this month that i'm not allowed to say that number this month at all he's 50 guys (laughs) yeah i should tell people i'm 50 because i want people to be oh you look good for 50 look good for 50 yeah yeah yeah. Oh my no. Yeah, well, I happy birthday. To... I don't know how I'd feel about having a birthday that close to Christmas because I feel like it it would make the year a bit top heavy. Horrible. But, yeah. I'd, I'd, I have to um, wait all year for something to look forward to. Yeah. Like at least like people who have like people. Who, I hate people who have summer birthdays because they've yeah. got like something the, halfway through the year. Perfect. Half, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, t- I I say that, but my birthday's in February, so it's still a bit weighted, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about it being uh, that well, close to Well, one thing I hate around that Not that you had a choice. When, when people are like, well, I was due in January, but I was just like, oh, no, no, the world needs <laughs> your, me. Your mum flew down the stairs again. and <laughs> <laughs> No, I've got a theory. Um, I was born the month after Freddie Mercury died, and I was like, well, the world needs another gay icon. <laughs> His soul just stayed in the ether, yeah. and then it was like, that baby there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah makes sense. It was tough. But yeah, um, I hate it when people give me a present for Christmas, and they go, oh, that's your birthday and your Christmas present. So yeah. as, a, as a thing now, I've started to do that to people who do that to me. Oh, yeah, do it. If I get them a Christmas present, I'm like, that's for your birthday as well. And if they're like, oh, my birthday isn't until July, I'm like, and? You Make did it, it last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wrap oh. it back up again then. <laughs> Yeah, give it here. I'll give it you back in July. <laughs> God. Oh, no, well, um, I hope that you have an amazing Christmas. And I hope that you... Uh, well, that that is your happy Christmas and happy birthday all in one there. So I, I'm not going to wish it you twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I do hope that you genuinely have a, a nice time and get very festive. I and um, I hope that you never have to watch the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise ever again. 
But um, yeah, join us next month. Um, we will be going through the 1996 West Craven classic Scream. Um, one of the most incredible, incredible films ever made. And we will also, by that time we record, we will have seen um, the next Scream film. So we will have a discussion on that. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to head into the new year and the fact that we've already got a, a great franchise again on the way for us. So yeah. um, thank you as well to everyone for the support this year so far. I can't believe we're four episodes deep into this little queer uh-huh. venture. So it's uh, it's nice um, and the support's been great. So thank you. And um, a massive thank you to Paul and Dave for um, yes. talking all about their upcoming book. It's me, Alan. It's uh, me. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll be sure to pop all the links and stuff in the description yeah. so you guys can get a copy um, as that is out next month as well. So if you get plenty of uh, dosh thrown your way this, this Christmas, you know what to spend it on. You send it to Liam for both his <laughs> Christmas and <laughs> birthday first, and, and then, then. then you can buy the book. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> We're great at this, aren't we? We absolutely. are, yeah. So, as always, I'll try and not f*** up the tagline. Um <laughs> remember that closets were made for babysitting oh my god no that's it no I didn't say it it's alright my cat woke up when I said that surprise surprise you know what I usually say closets were not made for people they were made for monsters and babysitter killers right bye bye show your support be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and you can find us on social media in the links in the description of this episode thank you for listening